the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. As of this morning, we've had 13 positive cases, seven players, six staff. We will continue to test each day as we self-isolate here in Milwaukee. We hope to be cleared to travel by Wednesday. As of this morning... We have five individuals that have no no symptoms, asymptomatic. Seven have shown headaches, cough, sniffles, and low-grade fevers. We are currently in touch with all of them, with our medical staff, not only here in Milwaukee, but in St. Louis as well. That is John Mosellock, president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals, updating us with uh, not-so-great news I am Jamie Rivers, Alex Ferrario in here with us, Tanner T-Bone, DJ Dirty Elbows working the board today. We're starting to get some news on where we're headed here with the St. Louis Cardinals. Big, big news just before we came on. Randy and Michelle started talking about it in the crossover. Yadier Molina goes on Instagram and basically just comes clean. Says, hey, I was one of these people who has tested positive. I would like it if you respected my privacy and let me get through this that's paraphrasing of course however gentlemen welcome in on tuesday morning this is pretty big news could there um, have, not great amen john could there have been any bigger news pulled a little chandler bing there from the friends there but of all positions to have somebody go down and i think this is where mark saxon was talking about how it's prominent a uh, people of prominent position that we're going to be kind of surprised here so, Alex, look, at you're, you're the baseball guy. We'll defer to you. How big of a loss is this going to be for the St. Louis Cardinals? Well, it depends on how long he's going to be out for. But, I mean, if you're going through this and depending on when this happened, look, all of this is up in the air. But however many games you don't have Yachty in there is going to be effective. The bat, maybe not so much because that bat wasn't there. But managing that pitching staff, managing that bullpen, I said it last week with you and BK, I mean, that's where he is the most useful for this team. Look at how that bullpen has pitched so far this season. That's Yachty. Now, I'm not taking away any of the talent from those bullpen pitchers, but when you have a Cody Whitley or a Ryan Helsley or a Giovanni Gallegos who doesn't have that many reps in Major League Baseball, that's where Yachty comes into play. So I'm going to be very intrigued as to how that pitching staff goes without Yachty, but I think it's going to be effective no matter what because he is the heart and soul of that team and that pitching staff. Now, are you guys a little surprised? Because from the reports that I was seeing, too, before this came out 10 minutes ago, was that it was prominent players we heard from Saxon, but we also heard that it was pitchers. There were, so my thought was, you know, prominent pitchers, we're looking at yeah. maybe six pitchers are out. So to me, the Molina news is kind of like, oh, 
that prominent of a player. I thought we were just looking at the pitching staff, and now we're looking at, well, if you want to call Malik kind of the pitching staff, you know, helping out that bullpen kind young of. guys. Kind, kind of. of. I'm interested to see where you go. Do you go with a veteran and Weeders behind the plate, or do you let the kid play in Kisner? That's where I'm looking at. If it's me, I'm letting Kisner play. I mean, you know, God bless you, uh, Matt Weeders. That's what he's there for. He's a vet. He's a guy who can handle that. Now, you know, managing the pitching staff's huge, but look, you want to know what Kisner is. This is that shot. Put him in there. Let this guy get reps. If he's the next big thing, which what is what we've been told, then he's going to prove it on the field. All right. If you're trying to keep track at home on your bingo card, we're going to give you a couple of little updates here. So make sure you can uh, keep track here. So, so far, 13 positive tests for the Cardinals. Seven players, six staff members. Six so far have been asymptomatic, which means they have shown no signs of sickness at all. And seven of them are showing mild symptoms with some coughing, sniffles, low-grade fever. The Cardinals' four games in Detroit have been postponed. The goal for the Cardinals is to resume play on Friday versus the Cubs. And to your point, Alex, I think we should absolutely see Andrew Kisner behind the plate. This is a great opportunity to see what the young man has. Before you have to package him in a trade somewhere because Yachty wants another two years or however many he wants to play, you got to see what you have here. You've got to absolutely know what you have. You know what you have in Matt Weeders. I love exactly. Matt Weeders. I think he's an incredible backup catcher. I think that he's a guy that can come off the bench uh, and pinch hit from time to time. But, yes, I think Andrew Kisner has to be seen here. The Cardinals, John Mosellock, they're all about development. It's a perfect opportunity for them to you know, see this young man. And, look, there's going to be tough circumstances. You're not going to have your full lineup. Right. So as crazy as this sounds, okay, now hear me up. When you put a player in these situations, a young player, that is, that pressure is actually off because everybody right away goes, oh, you know what? It's not the full team. We expect them to not be as perfect as they should be. Let's give the kid a break. You know, the media takes a little bit of a, a you know, a, a softer stance on him. If it was a regular team and you're in the hunt right now and you're looking for playoffs and you drop him in there, guess what? All eyeballs are on the young kid. So I think it's a great time for Andrew Kisner to get in there. Yeah. And, and Kisner's also known for having a good bat, too. And I know BT's brought that up a couple of times on the fast lane as well. And if he plays well enough and Yachty comes back, maybe Yachty's a DH. He may not like that. Or Kisner's the DH. So I like the I like your point, Jamie. Let Kisner play. Let's see what we've got. If he hits the ball well, Molina comes back. Why not throw him at DH and put Carpenter on the bench? Look, at the end of the day, he becomes a commodity for you. I mean, if this guy is effective defensively, that's an upgrade. If he's effective for you offensively, that's an upgrade. But if you decide that Kisner is not the catcher of the future and you are going to stick with Yachty, then it becomes a trade piece. But look, at the end of the day, right now you need to win games when you get back on the field. And John Heyman reported today that there were no positive tests today. So you're hoping that another day of that means you can travel and you you could get back home for your series against the Cubs. Losing Yachty is going to affect this team no matter what. But if, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm putting my young guy in there so I can see what he's going to offer this team. It sparks some energy into it. If that bat's effective and you still have a Matt Weeders off of the bench to jump in if things aren't working out well for you. If you're sitting at home wondering what the roster might look like, of course, we don't know yet exactly. But John Mosellock gave us a little bit of information on that as well. You know, overall, I, I think we can withstand this. A lot of it's going to be, you know, how long does it take for someone to return? These are all unknowns. It's you know, it's not like a sprained ankle where you might have an idea when someone's coming back. So 
you know, every day I always say we're, we're learning as we go. But um, as a reminder, our roster goes to 28 come Thursday. We play right. Friday. So, you know, inherently we're already going to be uh, down a couple people anyway. That'll be interesting to me if Major League Baseball actually holds true to that. If they actually drop down to 28, knowing that the Marlins and the Cardinals have blown the doors off their team right now with COVID-19, I think that they're going to probably have to, I don't know, make uh, an exception and go to 30 players. Now, if you're wondering with all this stuff, what happens with the Field of Dreams game? Well, unfortunately, next Thursday's Field of Dreams game has been canceled. And it's not to be, be it's not it's believed that it has nothing to do with the additional Cardinals positive tests. It looks like they're having some technical difficulties out there in the field of dreams. Apparently, apparently the ghosts that are out in the cornfields are not having it, so they're running a little bit of interference on that game. Shoeless Joe Jackson's just getting out there saying, "No way, Jose. It's not happening here." Now, for the good news. Finally. There is a little Thank bit you. of the good sun's news. Sun's out, Rivs. Can you give us some good news? Sun please? just came out. I figured I'd shift gears here. According to John Heyman, on new positive test for the Cardinals today, there are none. Okay, so if you're keeping track, again, at home, on your bingo card, there have been no new tests as of today. So hopefully this means that the St. Louis Cardinals are on the backside of this big, awful mountain and they can get back to work and hopefully play tomorrow. Now, Alex, in your professional opinion, and I say that very loosely, by the way. um, Appreciate that, I guess. (laughs) In your professional opinion, if the Cardinals have no new tests tomorrow, do you think we'll see them in action? Uh, I don't. I really think they're in the scenario where they're going to postpone the rest of the series against the Tigers, and I'm double-checking if the Cardinals actually announced that they're going to um, postpone the rest of that, but right now at least they they have it in the vicinity of the next available game that this team will play will be Friday against the Cubs, and the Cardinals website has the games today, tomorrow, and Thursday postponed. Now remember, the Tigers were supposed to do that doubleheader to try and squeeze these games in, so it, looking at this, and even if we get another set of zero testing right now for the Cardinals tomorrow where everything's coming back negative, Friday will be that first available game that they get back up against the Cubs. Alright, well I'll tell you what, everybody's probably wondering, well what can we do to change this? What can Major League Baseball do and team to team what can we do so John Mosellock was asked about if there's going to be some changes in the protocols and here's what he said I just think we're going to fine tune them and make sure that that we're adhering to them Um, I mean everybody's watched games right and it doesn't take long to say oh look at what's happening there that's not following protocol so I think you know we can all try to do a better job of that and you know we as an organization will certainly try but there's only so much you know, people that sit in my seat can do. You know, we'll certainly uh, try to tighten this up as we move forward. So before we go, we got some breaking news. The Cardinals just released with the approval of these players, Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung, Junior Fernandez, Rangel Ravello, Edmundo Sosa, and Cody Whitley have all tested positive for COVID-19. So those six individuals have granted the permission, according to the Cardinals, that they were the ones that tested positive. So again, it's Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung, Junior Fernandez, Rangel Ravello, Edmundo Sosa, and Cody Whitley have all tested positive for COVID-19. All right, so here's what we're going to do here. We're going to dive back into the Cardinals and these players' names that have been released. First, 
Coming up next is David Perron. We're going to get some some insight of life inside the bubble, the Blues' only goal scorer so far. So we're going to visit with David Perron coming out of the break, and then I guarantee you we're doubling back to talk Cardinals and these players that have come out and announced their positive tests. So please, stay tuned. We'll be back at you in a minute. We're back to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Ribs and BK here. BK out on special assignment. And we're joined by Alex Ferrario in studio and DJ Dirty Elbows T-Bone on the board with us. We're going to hop out right now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy to have Mr. David Perron, Blues forward and goal scorer from the other night. David, how we doing, buddy? Good. How about you? I'm good, but I know you're in an elevator right now, so I hope we don't lose you. I'm just coming out now, so we're good. Uh, there we go. So you know what? Speaking of this, you're on the elevator. Let's dive into it. How's life in the bubble for a guy like you with the family sitting at home? You've got young kids. I know it's difficult. How has it been so far for you? Yeah, a lot of FaceTime, a lot of, uh, I mean, downtime where we we can actually, like, um, I don't know, like play via distance, I guess, uh, whatever we do. Um, there's still ways that you can connect with them. It's not ideal, but this is the situation right now, and there's no point to, to even think about it more than that. And uh, we also know each other a lot more. Uh, we, we did it, obviously, last year with the run we, we had to do, but also uh, I think at this time there, there's no flight, there's nothing, so you have a lot more time than even in, in, in regular time. So um, there's many ways that we can connect with our, with our family, with our teammates, and uh, you got to look at the positive of it, I think. David, Alex Ferrario here, and uh, you know we've talked a lot about this. We've heard a lot about the bubble. Rivs and I joked around about it yesterday, but I'm curious from a player's perspective, uh, what's it like being in a bubble, being in a hotel with the opponents that you're going to war against on the ice on a daily basis? Yeah, that's, that's probably the part that I enjoy the least. Uh, <laughs> like you said, uh, you know, like you try to get under guys' skin, and and then you end up maybe uh, meeting them uh, on the way to uh, to basically the rank or to get tested every day, things like that. So it is definitely um, an odd situation. Um, I, I did expect that we would run into them a little bit less than we do, um, but but again, it is the way it is, and I, I'm sure guys uh, are uh, professional, and you kind of leave what happens on the ice uh, there, but we'll see how it's gonna go. We're talking with uh, Blues right-winger David Perron here, who's joining us from inside the bubble in Edmonton, Alberta. Perry, uh, just a quick question. How are you guys feeling right now with your practices as you try to get your legs back under you? I said it yesterday to a, a number of people that the way you guys play, it's very, very difficult to go from 0 to 100 and, and play your rough-and-tumble, puck-possession, gritty kind of hockey so I'm wondering how important are practices right now for you guys? Couldn't agree more. Um, practice are, are important, but I think, like you said, the mentality of being into a game, seeing the intensity ramping up even in other games, watching, I think that helps even that too. Uh, and then understanding how much it takes for our team to, to be successful, what we have to do. We had too many uh, turnovers, uh, things like that last game. We weren't putting enough pressure 
under these to to make mistakes and we have to be a lot t- tighter to to have success so that's what i believe and um it, we'll see how it's gonna go I, I do think that we saw improvement from the first game to uh to the last game and even within the last game our first period was was not very good at all our second was uh a little bit better and our third was you could start seeing flashes of of what we have to do so uh, i think you're bang on on that i think for our group uh, it takes uh a little bit longer for that reason, but uh, hopefully we're a lot better from the start to finish uh, next game. David, has it been hard to to get into the rhythm of just you know back into hockey with with all of these days off in between that first game against the Avalanche, and then you got three days off before your next game? I would imagine that's not easy. Uh, personally, I like that part for for the fact that it gets get some of the aches uh, and the pains that hopefully anyway that uh, they go away after uh, just contact and things like that where uh, if you had to go back at it again maybe it's sore from from the previous game and um i mean again like you can look at it different ways and yes i think once you get in a rhythm it is nice to play every other day you just kind of not think about it you know what the routine is on the off days for our club last year was a lot of uh maintenance back on the ice for morning skate the next day knowing what the game did, uh, routine was so right now it's a little bit different but Again, guys spend time together, whatever it is, play cards. Uh, uh, the, I, th- I thought the league, uh, I mean, did as good a job as they could with, with the bubble here. We have an outside area. There's a um, couple hotels kind of within the same couple blocks that are like fenced in restaurants in, in the hotel. So uh, they did a good job. All right, Perry, look, if we're going to isolate – uh, one thing. Let's talk about your line for a second. And you guys spent a lot of time away from each other. You know each other extremely well. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly and yourself, I've said it before, it's like shake and bake out there. You guys are great. Uh, Zach Sanford has been really good on the left side as well. What has been the biggest obstacle for you guys as a line to get back into that like midseason form or even that playoff form? It, it can't be easy. Yeah, I, I really also believe that for our team, it's to get that momentum. So it's not just one line. It's it's everyone that has to be on on board with that. Uh, but it, when you do focus on, on our line, I guess, like you said, um, it is important to, to play the Blues hockey, the, the way that uh, we have to play to have success, um, putting in it deep. And it, it's really cliches, but that's really how our team won last year. Uh, we, we really put pressure on their the defensemen that way. We're really... Um, we look a lot faster too when we play that way. Otherwise, we're not the, the fastest team. We can't have the. We don't have the luxury to just uh, play run and, and gun with other teams. We have to really build it from start to finish, and uh, that's. I think when our line is going, we we bring other guys on board in that regard, and that's what we have to do. Well, Perry, I will agree that I watched you guys in the first game and the second game. You looked much better in the third period, in my opinion, was your best. So hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. I did like the little sweeper one-timer there on the power play. Put it top cheese. Hey, Mochum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to see a power play click, obviously. Uh, you want to get things going in the right direction right away. We had success all year. And uh, guys, uh, Shenner gave me a great pass there. I just put it on that, and, and it went in. Um, it was great to see it going, obviously, um, just get the boys going in the right direction. We knew we didn't have a good start to that period, and um, sometimes getting the first goal can change uh, things going the other way, and we almost found a way to get get a point out of this game, uh, even though, again, I said it in, in my press conference after the game uh, with Ori, I didn't think we deserved the win, 
we have to play a lot better, and uh, we expect to do that uh, in a couple of days. Well, I look forward to watching you put more pucks in the net along with everybody else, and we wish you nothing but the best, buddy. We know you're a real busy guy, so I appreciate your time here today. Keep going, keep, get the boys going, and we'll talk to you soon, Perry. Yeah, thanks, Riz. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Let's talk to you guys soon. All right. Thank you. All right. That was Blues forward David Perron, who had just a few minutes to uh, get on the phone call with us. He actually, it's crazy. You know, we're texting back and forth, and he's talking about, okay, I can do this. I can come on with you guys. I'd love to chat. It's going to be right after my COVID test, right before the bus. So it's funny. Like, you sit sit here, and you're like, let's dive into the bubble. Well, that's the bubble. They get up. They have breakfast, do what they got to do. They go down, and apparently, according to David Perron, it's not just the Blues. It's like whatever player is ready for their COVID testing they get down there, they get in line, do their test, and then off they go. And I'm sure right. that, you know, like right now, the the Florida Panthers are playing New York Islanders. That's in Toronto, of course, but there's games going on all the time. So it seems like everybody's going to be in motion. Yeah. Um, so it, it's good to get some insight. It was not, it, You know what? I really appreciate his honesty. I do too, especially with the rhythm question. I know I've been asking that question, but drum because that's the question I've been getting from a lot of fans Post game after, he didn't like my opinion. No, on it, did I didn't you? like your opinion. Come no. on now, Rivs. Come didn't on, like my opinion. He had to no. double down and ask not, David Perron, not the superstar defenseman in the <laughs> NHL. No, but it, that's the question I've been seeing so much. Is you know, well, what about the rhythm? The rhythm's not an easy thing to do. But hearing him say that, it's more beneficial for these guys because if you think about it, those day offs in between, it's not enough time to take those aches away. So after a physical game that had seventy plus hits against the Avalanche. Three days off is important. Now, it affects the chemistry, of course, a little bit. But overall, you're, you're resting that up. So the honesty from that angle, I think, is the important factor. But that's what you get from this entire Blues roster. Yeah, and also I appreciated the honesty of like, you know what? Yeah, we lost with like .1 seconds left on the clock, but we really didn't deserve it anyways. And so I think that that's a sign of maturity for yeah. the St. Louis Blues team. I think it's you know recognizing where you're at. That's essential. So Craig Berube, in his tenure, has managed to not only change the culture, yeah. but change the mindset of, yeah, just because you win or maybe if you get a tie, it doesn't mean you go and celebrate. It doesn't mean you did a great job. And, and the same can be said where Craig Berube has talked about where they've lost games and said, ah, I think we deserve better tonight. Mm-hmm. So I think identifying you know, what your your game is and what it looks like and how it should be is really important. And again, David Perron talking about the chemistry with Ryan O'Reilly and Zach Sanford. I always joke, shake and bake, you know. They are kind of like that. They are. However, it does take time to get back into the rhythm of things. And, you know, we're seeing that. So I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, well, in in – People say, oh, well, it shouldn't take that much time. It's not just the Blues that are going through it. I mean, Rivs, look back at that Colorado game. Their line of Nate McKinnon and Burakovsky and Landeskog, that's their number one line that was contributing so many points to the regular season. They got one point in that game, and yeah. it was the assist on the game winner, So, and it was on the power play. They're not the only team, the Blues, that are struggling with chemistry. Everybody's going to be going through that to try and get that back. Talking to the power play, too, David Perron with the only goal so far in this restart, yep. and it was on the power play, and he talks about how Braden Shen made a great pass. And if you're sitting at home and you rewatch that goal and you rewatch how their power play has been structured – Alex Petrangelo used to be at the top of the blue line, the umbrella. Yeah. And they've rotated around a little bit to move Petro down into the strong side half. Well, Braden Shen is ending up on top, which is a new look. We didn't see that a whole lot before the pause. 
And obviously it worked. You know, Braden Shen gets the puck. He's a threat to shoot the puck. He moves it over to David Perron, and there was no hesitation mm-hmm. on that play at all. And little Schwartzy, you always talk about the big guy in front of the net. Well, Jaden Schwartz does a, a heck of a job of causing some havoc there and, and taking away the eyes of the Avalanche goaltender. So, look, uh, it, it's nice to get a uh, it's nice to get a peek inside the bubble to find out what's going on. Uh, So we appreciate, again, David Perron coming on with us. As we come back here, we are going to dive back into the Cardinals. Obviously, we kind of set the table for that, but we had to get to David Perron because he was so nice to talk to us. So coming back out of the break, we're going to talk Cardinals positive tests and the big boys that they're going to miss. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK back at you here. BK out on assignment. I'm joined by Alex Ferrario and T-Bones working the board for us. Before we went to David Perron, we had received the news from the St. Louis Cardinals of the names of players that have tested positive. So to go over that once again, they talked about Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung, Junior Fernandez, Rangel Ravello, if I said that right, Edmundo Sosa, and Cody Whitley. Now, that's only six, guys. There's seven players that have tested positive. Apparently, there's one player that is not comfortable releasing that. And you know what? That's that's his prerogative. All mm-hmm. the power to him. Now, we know that Yachty had a statement uh, regarding his positive test. Paul DeYoung released one, too. And, quote, I am disappointed to share that I have tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, even though I follow team protocols. I will approach my healing, as I do with all other things in my life, with education, commitment, and persistence. I look forward to rejoining the team soon and ask that you respect my privacy at this time. Okay, guys, so this always ends up like we always talk about as soon as we hear a COVID, we're like, ah, where were they? What were they doing? Well, now we have Yadier Molina, who we know is a responsible guy. He's a captain of the team. He, Gosh, he's pretty much your manager at times, Mm -hmm. depending on the situation. Paul DeYoung is a responsible guy who works extremely hard at his craft and seems like a great team guy. And DeYoung is a big science guy too, so he knows he knows about the COVID nineteen and the risk. Okay, so even so, if we expand on that, then is it time for us to stop just associating COVID nineteen with people that are doing things wrong? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I was on that Zoom conference yesterday with John Mozalak, and I mean, of course, you're going to hear the president of baseball operations say something like this, but. He was defend. He was very defensive of his players and his staff, saying, "Look, we've 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 gone with every single protocol, and at the end of the day, there, there's no evidence showing that these people were out. It's just kind of speculation. I know people will say, well, I have pictures of so and so at a golf course, or I saw him there. That's fine. But at the end of the day, if the players aren't saying that they were out there, or if you're getting messages like this from Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung." Yeah, I think it's time to stop speculating on that avenue until something comes out with it. At the end of the day, this is a unknown scenario where you're on airplanes, you're on buses, you're coming into contact with plenty of people. It's the same thing we talk about with the bubble ribs for NHL and NBA. You could get zero positive te- or zero positive tests all day long for the players, but you're still concerned about the people that are working in the bubble that are coming in contact and then leaving. There's no bubble now, and we've talked about the frustration with no bubble, but these players can be coming into contact with a lot of people without going against the protocols that were put in place by baseball. Okay, so if we break this down again, Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung, Cody Whitley, those guys right there, those three names to me 
I feel like those guys are extremely difficult to impossible to replace. Not that Ravello, Sosa aren't important guys, and we don't know player X, player number seven. We don't know who that is yet, and we may never know. And get, Who knows, right? If it's a pitcher, right. he may miss his spot in the rotation. We don't know. It is what it is. But isolating this right now, how do you move forward with this, right? And And so... John Mozeliak was asked himself about, you know, what what would the plan be for the Cardinals moving forward? Going forward, we plan to remain in Milwaukee until we are cleared to travel, but we're hopeful that will be Wednesday morning. The, the hope would be to travel back to St. Louis Wednesday morning, work out Wednesday afternoon, allow players to, to get their feet moving again, their bodies moving again. Thursday, have, have a more robust workout, and then play Friday. All right, so we know what their schedule is or what they're intending for it to be. So, guys, let's break this down. Yadier Molina, who are we putting in? I think we've decided we want to go with Andrew Kisner. Am I, is that clear across the board here, or do we have a pushback? I, I think you go Kisner catcher. And then, you know, with DeYoung, I know we're talking Yadi here, but you could put Weeders at DH with his bat, but then you only have two catchers, so you have to be careful. I, I don't know why you don't put Kisner at catch. I really don't. It's going to come down to matchups because, of course, uh, Weeters is a left-handed hitter, um, depending on who's pitching that day. But you're also going to look at the defensive structure because this team is molded around defense. Matt Weeters is a, a veteran of 10-plus years in Major League Baseball. He's a guy who can play defensively behind the plate for you and manage a bullpen because he's doing it for so long. And then you got Kisner, who knows these younger players that have been in the minors with him. Defensively, he's a very strong. I'd be curious to get some uh, of BT's perspective of defensively who the better one is. But I think as of right now, if you're talking about what the future holds for this team, Kisner's that guy for you. All right. And before I get into to Paul DeYoung, I want to circle back here on Cody Whitley because we just got a sample size of him. Right, we got a, what an inning out of Cody Whitley, inning and a half. I my memory serves me correct, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he was a guy that John Mosaylock felt that it was time to start the clock on. Could have waited a little bit. How do you, how do you think this is going to affect him this season with his development? Now that he's got to miss some time, and who knows when he gets healthy? Who knows if he's one of those guys that's asymptomatic or if he's one that's suffering from some of the coughs and you know the fever and things like that so you had two and two-thirds from Whitley I just looked it up what he's pitched so far so far for you um look I mean depends on who else is is who the unnamed pitcher is I mean if this is another bullpen pitcher then you are going to have to amp up that bullpen with arms you do have Alex Reyes sitting in the bullpen waiting in to be brought up from the taxi squad if he's ready to go you have a Henesis Cabrera but look at the role that Cody Whitley was put in, Rivs. I mean, he was that kind of get-you-out-of-a-jam lockdown pitcher for you, much like Giovanni Gallegos was for you last year. Gallegos could be that guy that, that jumps into that situation. You could bring up a Reyes, but there's not many options that can be in that lockdown scenario so far for you. And I know he's young. I know he's a rookie to Major League Baseball, but you go with effectiveness, and he was it for you. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of thinking development-wise – First thinking of it, I go, well, he tests positive. The roster's going down to 28 on Thursday. You put him in Springfield and have him pitch and develop. But two and two-thirds, he looked great. I, I don't know why you don't keep it. Why you wouldn't keep him up unless Reyes comes up and pitches well, Cabrera comes up and pitches well, yeah. then sure, send him down. But, yeah, that that's a blow to the Cardinals' bullpen and kind of a pleasant surprise for the Cardinals, too, because I think they knew what they had with Whitley. 
but you never know when you bring up a rookie. And he was the one and only surprise, if I'm not mistaken, on the Cardinals' opening day roster. So. He looked good to me. Honestly, he looked good to me. Young guy. They started the clock on him. They obviously believe in him. I think he's around for the long haul, oh, yeah. specifically since he had such a, a good outing so far this year. All right, so we circle back to the last one, Paul DeYoung. Now, here's where the pieces start to move around. And so, Alex, I'm going to defer to you first off the hop here and tell me what your infield is going to look like now, knowing that Paul DeYoung's probably, in fact, most likely not going to be in your lineup for at least a short period of time. Yeah. Um, boy, I think right now Tommy Edmond is your shortstop. I think Matt Carpenter shifts over to third base for you. Um, and you, you bring somebody up off your 40-man roster to be that utility guy in the infield because, look, Edmundo Sosa was a guy that could do that for you. Tommy Edmund was, and now you're kind of shorthanded if you're putting Edmund as your everyday infielder. But you got to go your best defensive unit, and I think Matt Carpenter, although he may not be your best defensive player at third base, the other infielder on your 40-man roster is Elhiris Montero, who's a young player who's in their system. He's a high-ranking minor league player, but he also has no reps at major league level. So I think your infield looks Matt Carpenter at third, Tommy Edmond at short base until you find out how long Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa are going to be away so you find out what your roster is going to be shaped up as. I think it's kind of the same. That's how I'm seeing it too. Edmonds at short, Carpenter's at third, DH. I almost wonder what they'll do is to get Lane Thomas some playing time. That's what I was thinking. I, and I just thought of this, too, because I was thinking, oh, you put Weeders there at DH, but then you don't have a catcher. But I don't think that's automatic, Weeders at DH. I, I like the idea of, and hear me out, I know this is going oh, to down, be a downgrade Uh-oh. at the DH spot from Carpenter. Put Fowler at DH, put Thomas in right, O'Neal really and left, that much of a downgrade, though? Well, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, but I, that's, what, that's what I would see them doing. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. I would like to see the young guys keep going here, right? So I'd like to see Lane Thomas get the DH, and if you have to rotate some guys, and you certainly don't want to take, in my opinion anyways, you don't want to take Harrison Bader and put him in a DH position. I mean, you're literally just throwing it out into your, into your, your, your inning at that point. So if they're going to rotate some guys in the outfield and maybe Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas rotate a little bit without taking either of those guys out of the lineup, per se, you can shift them to DH and they still get the reps at the plate, which, hey, we've got to see if Tyler O'Neill can stay consistent at the plate. We have to see if Lane Thomas can even elevate to be a, an everyday outfielder in Major League Baseball. What about Harrison Bader at DH? Are you kidding me? Uh, to do what? Bunt? <laughs> well, more more reps. I mean, it's not going to do much different than what no, your other DH I was, right? I disagree 100%. Harrison Bader would never be my DH. I wouldn't put him there, but I'm wondering if the Cardinals would. I'll go with Weeders every day of the week. If Bader's not going to be in center field, he's not pinch hitting for you me. You know, this is this is a big concern for me. Who the hell hits in the four spot? <laughs> well, that's a good point. They really don't have a heavy bat right now in that four I spot. You got Tyler Goldie. Tyler O'Neill probably Carpenter. Get, I think I think O'Neill get bumped up. I think Carpenter will slide to the five slot. <laughs> That's where I know That's hey, where we're at now, boys. It's not ideal. Heck, Ravello, who you thought, well, this guy could do what well, he he's not available right now. From the three one four. I hear Brett Cecil's available. <laughs> Touche three one four. Touche three one four. Touche. All right. I'll tell you what. We're gonna get into some questions and answers. I'm sure you guys have a lot of questions. So text us six five seven eight oh the Air Comfort Service text line. We're going to dive into questions and answers. We'll do our best to get the right ones. We're 
back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back in here, Rivs and BK. It's time for questions and answers. I've got Alex Ferrario with me, T-Bone, DJ Dirty Elbows. BK out on assignment. You've got questions. We've got answers. T-Bone, what do we got? Well, guys, COVID's a bit of an issue, so... No! no. no. It is? Come really? on, just DJ. A little, just a little bit, so... Uh, Where did that come from? All right, first question, Justin Williams. Is he the guy that gets the call-up with the new moves for the Cardinals here due to COVID-19? Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to defer this because, Justin Williams, you're a heck of a guy. I know you are. I don't know much about him. Yeah. And I can just sit here and fluff it around. I'm not going to. So I'm going to hand the ball off to my guy, Alex Ferrario. Alex, Justin Williams, yay or nay? I think he has to be. Now, I don't know if that's the move you go with right away because your outfield position is in good shape right now. You still have O'Neal, Bader. Now, I guess I should have said that loosely. It's in good position. It's O'Neal, Bader, Fowler. And Austin Dean. So you're not going to be bringing up another what about Thomas? Lane Thomas. Oh, yeah, Lane Thomas. Sorry, I forgot about that. Sorry, you went you're, right to Austin Dean. Well, I'm Holy a big crow. Austin Dean fan, apparently. What did Lane Thomas ever do you're, to you? You're not going to bring. I forgot about Dean. You're not going to bring up Justin Williams. He's on your 40 man, but you're not going to bring him up to do that. I think you're going to be looking at if they give a shot to somebody, it's either Brad Miller if he's healthy, which I know he was on the injured list, so that's still up in the air, or Elhuris Montero before he's on, um, he's on your 40 man roster. I know people want Carlson. It's not going to happen. He's not on your 40-man roster, and you have to make a roster decision before you bring him up. I just don't see it happening. So, yeah, well, Williams I can see, but I think it's more likely you're going to see an infielder because that's the position of weakness right now. From the 913, Yasiel Puig. Carlson will call him. There we go. I've said it. I've said it like three times on this show that I think Yasiel Puig, you sign this guy, hope you probably get him for a discount, right? What would you get him? Like five, six million right now? I don't do you think Puig's gonna do something for a discount? I think he will to get back into it. Like he doesn't really have a lot of leverage right now. I think now. you're looking at eight mil minimum for Puig. Okay, so let's uh, let's just even do that. Let's say eight mil. We're able to shake hands with or fist bump, okay, because it's a new <laughs> world uh, with Yasiel Puig uh, on a deal for eight million. Why would you not go there? Like right now, like you don't think if he finds a rhythm at all as a hitter, the Cardinals desperately need it. You know, yeah. And if he doesn't, well, are you really that far off on it? Are well, you really hurt? Look, I know you and BK were pretty ticked off with me last week when I said it's not going to happen. I think it's a genius move. Because I was mad at you for hours. You were. That. You went home over the weekend and you were texting me saying, Ferrario, I'm done with you. I'm I surprised you even let me in here. Puig pictures all weekend yeah, that's long. true. He did. He did. It was really annoying. No, look, I think it's a smart move because he is a DH for you. And defensively, he's, he's a good enough weapon. Cardinals won't do it. One, he doesn't fit into their mode of players. I mean, look at the evidence of trading away a Tommy Pham. Um, two, it log jams your outfield once again. I mean, you've sit, you've sat here and said... I don't even look at him in the outfield unless there's an injury. He would be straight up DH. DH, man. Yeah, but I, I, Cardinals, perspectively, I just they'll look at it and say, no, we can find somebody else. That's kind of the way I see it, too. I just don't... Oh, don't you start, Cardinal. T-Bone. I'm with Alex here. I'm uh, going to defend Alex. I, I just don't see them making that kind of move. Another good point from the 314. Puig hasn't been playing since last year. He won't be ready for you until September. Which I don't know if it's going to take that long, but you are looking at a couple of weeks for this guy or where you're going to get to him tuned up uh, to jump into play. Yeah. 
Good point. But you know my theory. I know. If I throw a bike in the parking lot, it's Alex, true. you don't ride every day, but I bet you can ride the bike. By the end of the day, you'll be really good at it, I'm too. I'm good at riding, yeah. From the 618, the Cardinals do have a DH. Adam Wainwright. I've said it before, guys. Wayno, step in, big boy. Uncle Charlie, right there. I know he can't use Uncle Charlie at the plate. I get it, okay? But you the big Uncle man can Charlie swing a bat. bat. You can Uncle Charlie the right? bat. What? He's got a couple of home runs, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's advanced runners before. Look, out of your options of DH, <laughs> he might be your best option right now. Okay. Here, right now, Harrison Bader or Adam Wainwright. You've got the bases. <laughs> the, listen to me for a second. Let's have some fun with this. The bases are loaded. You're at the bottom of the ninth. We're just setting it up here, okay? You have Bader did not start this game. He's on the bench. He's a bench guy. You only have Bader or Wainwright to pinch hit at this moment. Who are you picking? Is this even a question? It is. I just asked it. It's, it's not a question. It's official. It's actually it's, it's official? It's actually on the radio. This so happened? Oh, okay. Yes. It's Wainwright. Come on now. It's Wainwright. He's not going to strike out. He's not going to miss the off-speed pitches. He'll at least give you contact. There you go. Going Wayno. T-Bone? I'd go Wayno, too. I mean, like Alex said, he's giving you contact. And, heck, if there's a bunting situation, <laughs> he can lay down a bunt, unlike Bader, probably, too. So From the 636, Puig licks bats. You don't need him on this team. Also, great point. No way on Puig because you got to put him on your 40-man roster. And if you're going to put him on your 40-man roster, why not put Dylan Carlson on your 40-man roster? Well, that's a good point. They're shooting them all down for you, Riz. Now, there is an open spot still, right? No, I thought they filled that with a pitcher. Yeah, I think they pulled somebody off the injured list and had, filled it. Yeah. I could be oh, wrong, with, which but I don't think I don't lot. think Brevy is on the 60 yet. Hmm. So I think yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and I'll look into this, I'm pretty sure there is an open spot on this roster because I'm like, I'll say 75% sure that they have not put Brevy on the 60-day IL. So there's an open spot, but with some of these, with Whitley going down, maybe bring up a bullpen, or maybe bring up Nolan Gorman. Well, they DFA'd Brett Cecil, so he's off of it altogether. Oh, he's so off. much for Cecil. Mm-hmm. That, that's too bad. I, I'm upset about that one. Here we go. Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman gets called up for the Cardinals and will take the DH spot. We'll play third base so they can keep Matt Carpenter at DH. Uh, you know what? I like the idea. I mean, look, at this point, for me, if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals and John Mosaylock, I'm looking to explore different options. And it's kind of a free pass, right? Like, especially for Mo, who's very by the book, or at least by Mo's book anyways. It gives him a chance to, you know, loosen the collar a little bit and be like, yeah, you know what? We've got this problem here. We've got a few guys who cannot be in my lineup let's give it a shot now how does that what how does that have uh ramifications for gorman what's he at with his 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 eligibility his contract his years his service time you would start a service time clock which i don't you're not going to want to do that okay i mean you've waited this long with carlson and carlson is a lot more tuned up than nolan gorman would be i think gorman's only played what, two years? Because last year was his second year, but the highest he's been to is A-ball. And you're not going to bring an A-ball player up to the major leagues and start his clock where, and again, this is another 40-man roster move. If you're going to make a 40-man roster move, you're going to do so with a Dylan Carlson before you're going to bring up a Nolan Gorman. And to give you an idea, he's really young. He's 20, 20. and he's he's only, he's not even a year... He's not, I'm a, not even a year older than him. Yeah. So you're not calling. I don't think you call up Gordon. So you guys just want to sky dump on my idea, right? Well, we've sky dumped on all of them today. Well, that's a lot of fun. You're two for two, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate that. I got one more for you guys. Does this make the Cardinals consider a move for Nolan Arenado 
with the issues looking at third base. Does this make them more likely to make a move for Arenado this year? Yes. I don't really know if that's true. I just want it to be you true. You just want it. I just want it. Have you seen that guy oh, the yeah. last couple of games? He's, yeah, he's, he's like running around, tracking down balls, throwing guys. I'm like, this guy's incredible. Uh, every time I see him, mm-hmm. I actually, I turn my head away because I don't want to see it, but then I find myself cheating over and I watch the highlight. And I'm like, damn, I wish we had him. Mm, yeah. I hate to poo-poo on it again for your ribs, but I don't think so. I know. I don't think so. Well, I'd this love would it. be kind of weird. Like, how would they make that work at this point? Well, and look, you don't how know. How would this affect your roster, you, your trades? I don't even know. You're, you're dropping three or four players, and you don't know how long Paul DeYoung's going to be out for. I mean, Paul DeYoung could miss Friday and then be back in the lineup for you Saturday. So, And how, how the heck does Colorado look at anybody and go, yes. We definitely want that guy. As you haven't right had now. anything this year. <laughs> yeah. I would love one of your players right now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah. No, thank you on that one. By there. the way, it is 39 players on the 40-man roster. I just looked it up. So you do have one spot open on that 40-man roster. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. All right, well, I guess we'll find out what John Mosaloc does here as the Cardinals get healthy, and maybe we'll find out who that seventh player is. But I'll tell you what, I want to look at the St. Louis Blues coming out of the break, and I want to find out... You know what? How much has this layoff actually hurt the Blues, or has it not hurt the Blues? And how soon will we find out going into the next game? We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, welcome back here. Ribs and BK, and before the break, we talked about how the Blues are going to look moving forward And how much of an effect has this layoff had on their current look? So as we look at the St. Louis Blues as they get ready for their second round robin game against, these are good teams. First one, Colorado Avalanche, a lot of speed, a lot of skill. Next up, the Vegas Golden Knights, a big burly team. They got guys like Ryan Reeves are going to make you pay physically. And Stone, he's a great player too. He plays gritty. Paul Stasny, former Blues player. So listen, it's not going to be easy for the St. Louis Blues. You wonder how they're going to to get to where they need to be. We talked to David Perron just a little bit earlier, uh, and it was a great interview. And he talked about you know having the intensity in practice and trying to get to where they need to be by by through repetition. And Craig Berube also had uh, a take on practice as well, and, and this is what he said. Well, I feel there's definitely another level or two uh, for sure that we can get to. I don't. I still don't. Uh, I don't think we're at the, that level that we that's needed to win. So we definitely got to get there. Um, you know, our guys know that. So they 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 know from last year and the experience from last year. You know, what that level you have to get to the intensity, the work, compete, all that. Uh, you know, we we have to get higher yet. I agree. David Perron agrees too. David Perron said it exactly. He said, we didn't deserve to win the game the other night, which, by the way, you can catch at David Perron interview on the podcast after the show. Go to the 101 ESPN website or app. Go to On Demand and download the Rivs and BK podcast. Great interview with David Perron. But David Perron did say, hey, you know what? We need to get back to that game. We need to get back to that gritty style. And Alex, he mentioned to you that, Right now, he welcomes a couple of these yep. days off to heal the bumps and bruises. But I think in my mind, I'm like, it gives him time too to get more reps at practice and get their legs under them so we can see more Blues hockey. Yeah, because look, at the end of the day, yes, these determine the seeding, but they are still tune-up games for you for getting into the games that really matter, the series where you can be eliminated in the first round. 
But you know how you get to your game faster in terms of physicality, Rivs? You take on a team who plays the exact same style as you, the ground and pound style like Vegas. I watched that Vegas and Dallas game last night. Dallas was up 3-1. to one in the second period, and Vegas stormed back and beat them 5-3. to three. So Vegas is a team that they are offensively gifted with guys like Stastny and Mark Stone, who you mentioned. You got Riley Smith. You also have William Carlson. But they are also guys who will just hit the hell out of you. And I specifically remember that game in January in Vegas where the Blues were up, and they allowed Vegas to come back in because they were allowing guys into the crease. They were allowing guys to forecheck hard and turn the puck over. So for the St. Louis Blues, this will probably be their biggest challenge in these round-robin games with Vegas. But I also think this is one of those games that wakes the sleeping dog, right? Like, they'll go out there and throw a couple body shots around, and the Blues fire back and wake up. So this is the one that I'm really intrigued by, because I think this is the one that will wake this Blues team up into Craig Berube style. Getting back to Blues hockey, which is physicality, and making sure we get them back into game shape and able to close gaps defensively, get in on the forecheck, all of these things are staples of St. Louis Blues hockey. However, the one thing that we're missing so far... In the very first game, zero goals. Yeah. In the in the second game, one goal by our buddy, David Perron. It was a heck of a goal, by the way, but still one goal. If the St. Louis Blues are going to make some noise this year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you can't just be gritty. You have to put some goals in the net. And so Craig Berube, in discussing this the other day, just after the game, he talked about the offense and how the Blues are going to have to pick it up. You know, we're still not... Um... You know, working the puck low enough, uh, we're not hanging on to it. We're not heavy enough on it right now. I think that we're getting stripped too easily. And, you know, for me, a lot of times, we have too many people watching what's going on and not getting in there and, and getting the numbers on the puck. If I'm one of those players, that's a challenge to me. A hundred percent. Like Craig Berube didn't just call guys out, but you know what he did? Mm -hmm. He basically said, we're not being heavy enough on pucks. We're not putting it in the great places. We watch the games. Alex, you work every game and you see it with your own eyes. It's not what we're used to. And it's not just one line. Right now, it just seems like everybody's just a little bit out of sync. And to go back to David Perron again. Right. O'Reilly, Perron, and Sanford have been really, really good this season. And O'Reilly and Perron have been sensational for two seasons now. So they should be clicking a little bit better. I think the biggest concern to me, though, right now is the Tarasenko-Shen-Schwartz line. Vladdy, to your point the other day, yeah, he led the team in shots on goal against the Blackhawks. But I don't want to say he disappeared in, in the game against Colorado. But he certainly wasn't very visible, certainly not offensively anyways. Yeah, well, in the description that Barubi just said there about not being too physical on the puck and not holding on to it, that was describing that Schwartz, Shannon Tarasenko line. I mean, after that game on Sunday, he did kind of call out those guys that they just really weren't effective enough. If you look through it, I think you only had like three total shots from those guys total in that hockey game. It's a concern right now because, look, it was a revolving door with those two in the regular season before the season was put on pause ribs. I mean, they had Robert Thomas up there, had Sammy Blay up there, they had Zach Sanford. I mean, you were putting guys up there, Jordan Cairo for mm-hmm. a while. They were trying to find some type of chemistry. And then imagine the season halting, not having anybody. So you got to build that chemistry back with you and Schwartz and Shen and then putting Vladdy back in there who you haven't played with in nine months. So it's not an easy thing, but their game comes to them when they're physical. And I think Shen was really physical in that game. Schwartz was forechecking and trying to set up plays. 
It was Vladdy that was just trying to get into the play, which, look, you said it yesterday. The second game back is usually the hardest game back for a player. So I think that chemistry is going to keep coming. I don't think you're going to see that line being broken up. But they are the biggest concern because... When they go, everyone else goes. Because when they're effective, the best defensive unit has to focus on that, which opens up time and space for O'Reilly's line, Thomas's line, and Sunquist's line. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's kind of the road I was going to head down after, is that if you have a couple of lines that are performing well offensively, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're putting the puck in the back of the net. However, that's a nice bonus if they are. Right. But it just means they're creating good scoring chances, and they're pressuring the other team's defense, or they're forcing the other team to defend really hard, which wears teams down. So when you have a couple of lines that are working like that, it certainly plays to your advantage. And one thing about Tarasenko, too, that you know maybe is a misconception, yeah, he's one of the most dynamic players in the league at certain times, but his biggest success has come from having puck possession and being able to work teams down low in the offensive zone and so playing with Braden Shen and playing with Jaden Schwartz, who are, I call them puck retrievers, mm-hmm. it gives Vladdy the opportunity to float up high in that soft area, get some of those loose pucks from those guys, and now he gets to display his dynamic shooting ability. So Craig Berube, uh, in talking about this line specifically, he wants to see them as well get a little more time in the offensive zone. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think their minutes, um, you know, looking at the game sheet after, I, I didn't think their minutes were that low. But, but anyways, you know, they they need to have the puck a lot more than they had. They never had the puck enough in that game. They never possessed it enough in the offensive zone and did enough things with it. So they know that. They know they'll then and they'll be better. Apparently, I was too excited to get to that comment there from Craig Berube. <laughs> but he's he's spot on there. Would you expect from the head coach? But controlling the puck's the biggest thing. I mentioned to you yesterday. Uh, on the power play in the third period where the Blues had the advantage to kind of extend their lead or break the tie that was 1-1, Vladdy had it in the corner and just held onto it too much and got bumped off the puck. When this team's on it, they're moving the puck fast from point A, point B, point C. But on top of it, these guys are probably nearly impossible to knock off the puck, Riz, because you've got a big body like Vladdy Tarasenko. Schwartz is small, but he's stocky. Controlling the puck is Craig Berube-style hockey. You see them banging around in the forecheck and creating space, but you got to find ways to keep possession of that. And that's what they struggled with. But I would imagine when you're going up against a Vegas Golden Knights team, you're going to be more self-aware of that, right? Like as a player, you know that that was an area you lacked, and you know this team's coming in heavy with guys like Reeves, guys like Coutier who can play on that fourth line and bump some bodies around. So with that being said, I would imagine that the control of the puck is going to be an area of focus for these guys tomorrow or on Thursday. Look, having possession of the puck and putting the puck in good places, it lets you, it affords you the chance to activate your defense. And if you look at the St. Louis Blues specifically since Craig Berube has taken over, their defense have been a big part of it. You end up with guys like Robert Bortuzzo down behind the offensive Goal net because he's activated. The Blues have controlled the puck enough in the offensive zone to bring the D into the mix. They get a good F3 that plays high, but when you're one and done, when you break across that blue line, take that one shot, don't retrieve the puck, the other team comes out clean, and now you're back-checking, you don't get any of that momentum. So, you know, based upon the comments from David Perron and and Craig Berube talking about what they need to improve on, the players know what's up. They know Mm -hmm. what's going on. So I'm expecting a lot bigger things from the St. Louis Blues as far as their game against the Golden Knights. I think they're going to get to their game sooner than later. It's going to be fun to watch. So coming up next, 
we're going to talk about the Blues' potential first-round opponents. I want to break down who I do want to see and who I don't want to see. And I know Alex Ferrario has a different opinion than me on this one, so we're going to have to set him straight coming out of the break. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back here, Ribs and BK, on a sunny Tuesday morning. It's 12-18. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, official provider of Rolex jewelry. And uh, BK is out on assignment. Actually, I don't know. BK might be at home grilling and working on things, or at least trying to get on the grill. And guess what? You want to see BK on the grill, or at least somebody on the grill, check out the video at 101ESPN.com. We're grilling at home. You get to see BK and his buddy Ryan make their delicious specialty meatball subs on the grill. Uh, spoiler alert, BK probably doesn't get to touch the grill. However, grilling at home with 101 ES, the ultimate grilling companion this summer, stock up today and buy schnooks. Get everything you need for backyard summer grilling at your schnooks stores today. All right, guys, before we went into the break, I thought it would be interesting to dive into who we would like to see the Blues play in the first round and who we maybe don't want them to see in the first round. So, Alex, I'll start with you on this one. Of the teams that are available, which, by the way, I'll I'll rhyme those off right now. The teams that are available based on where the Blues will end up in the standings are Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, the dreaded Blackhawks, Vancouver, Minnesota, Nashville, and Arizona. So, Alex, I pass to you and ask you, who would you like to see out of those opponents? There's two for me that I'd like to see, but I'll power rank them because I know you love power ranking, Ribs. <laughs> Number yes, one do. power ranking for me is the Calgary Flames. Um, I think they utilize speed much like Colorado does, but of course they have a Matthew Kachuk who can get under your skin, but I do think the Blues style can get in and infiltrate that defensive unit, and Cam Talbot's just not a reliable goaltender for me uh, in terms of a seven-game series. Number two in that power ranking is Winnipeg. Winnipeg, to me, is not the same team. They're a very good team. They nearly, well, they did win last night in overtime against the Calgary Flames, but their defensive unit is not the same. I mean, you lost Jacob Truba, Dustin Bufflin, Tyler Myers. They're a lot smaller on defense. And without 100% of Patrick Line and Mark Shifley, who we don't know, they didn't play in the last game, you don't know if they're going to come back. That's an offense that can still score, but not like they used to. And, of course, Blues have the Winnipeg Jets number from last season. So, for me, it would be Calgary 1, Winnipeg 2 that I'd like them to face. All right, T-Bone. And, by the way, if if you're listening at home, Calgary is playing Winnipeg. So, one of those teams is going to move on into the actual playoffs. So, the Blues will face, potentially, one of those those teams, depending on where they end. So, Mm -hmm. T-Bone, what do you got for us? I like the Blues matchup against Winnipeg. I, I really do. Like Alex said, they had their number last year. I think Winnipeg's number one for me. Number two for me is Minnesota. I I actually think that the Blues kind of match up with Minnesota, who's a little bit of an older team. They do have some good players still in Parise. They've got uh, the defenseman, which I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Uh, Matt Dumba? Matthew, Matt Dumba? Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I like the Blues matchup against them. To be honest, I kind of like the Blues matchup against any team if Ooh, they can like get that. if they can get their game back though and that's the key there if they can get their game back get in on the four check like we've talked about uh yesterday talked about today 
they got to get their game back. I think they match up well, but if I had to take two, I'd say Minnesota one, Winnipeg two. All right, so Winnipeg making the list on both of uh, Alex and Tanner's teams that they would like to play. So again, we're talking about teams we'd like the St. Louis Blues to play. All right, guys, if we're doing power rankings and we're going one, two on this one here, Personally, I would love to see the St. Louis Blues play the Vancouver Canucks. I just think that that's a young team. Uh, yeah, their goalie, Markstrom, had a great year, and they're revolving. they got some great young players. But I do think in a best-of-seven series, uh, the Blues are going to wear those guys down. They're going to wear down that young talent. And let's be honest, that young talent doesn't have any battle scars yet. A lot of those guys are fresh into the NHL. So for me, my number one pick would be the Vancouver Canucks. If I'm going with the number two pick on this one, I'm picking the Minnesota Wild as well. I'm with you, T-Bone. Here's why. Is Minnesota, and Alex, to your point uh, yesterday or the day before, you talked about how Minnesota plays a very similar style mm-hmm. to the Blues. Well, I welcome that. It, to me, it's always great to have somebody that's going to pick your fighting style, right? If you're the best in your fighting style, then bring on anybody who wants to be that way. And so for me, St. Louis Blues, uh, with their big heavy game and the puck possession cycling down low, to me, they win that battle against the Minnesota Wild because the Wild just don't have the level of talent past these grinding type guys. They've got some youth. They're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. But as it sits right now, to me, that's a good matchup for the St. Louis Blues. You know, the only thing that worries me about Vancouver Ribs is Markstrom, their goaltender. I mean, he he's, can steal He's what games. worries me, but he also is what like kind of makes me feel like we can do it. Because you feel like you can get past him? He's a wild card. Yeah. You know, you just don't know yet. And yeah. Like Bennington last year, I'm sure teams felt the same way. He's a wild card. Well, guess what? He turned out to be a pretty damn good wild card. <laughs> yeah. But what if it went the other way? You yeah. know? So I agree. To me, that's where I'm at on Markstrom. So... All right, now we're going to move into teams we do not want to play. So now, again, Alex Ferrario, if you're doing power rankings, you're doing a gold medal, silver medal here, one, two. Who are the teams that you would not like the Blues to play? Number two is Arizona. Um, Arizona, to me, is a team that gave the Blues a lot of fits last year. They did beat them, but they only beat them once out of three times, and it went to overtime, uh, or I think it was actually a shootout. Look, if, if they're not on their game, then I think they're an easy opponent, but... With Phil Kessel, who always seems to shine in the playoffs, with a Taylor Hall, who can be an MVP, who has a Clayton Keller, some young talent, and then their goaltender. I mean, their goaltender can can steal you hockey games if he has to. And given the Blues fits, he was a, their opponent that I think could really upset the Blues in, in seven games. Number one for me, though, without question, is Nashville. Nashville is a team that always seems to have the Blues number. And I had to go back... The last time, Rivs, that the Blues beat the Nashville Predators, you got to go back to 2017, that they beat Nashville. That's a long Nashville. time ago. It's a really long time. Pecorine, who didn't start their first game, but I would imagine will be in hockey games, has has shown the ability to steal games for you. You say Saros is another one. Behind St. Louis, Nashville has the best defensive unit, I think, in the NHL with their stacked lineup and an offense that gives the Blues fit. So number one for me that I do not want to see are the Nashville Predators. And of course, one of those two teams, they're playing each other, might be a Blues opponent going into this first round of the playoffs. All right, T-Bone, what do you got for us of an opponent that you do not want the Blues to play? So I agree with Alex. I think the number one opponent I don't want to see the Blues play is the Nashville Predators. I like the D, like you just mentioned. Pecorino can steal your games. And again, like you mentioned, he didn't start game one. But And if I'm not... And I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but isn't doesn't Rene normally play pretty well against the Blues? Because I th- feel like I remember a couple games where he's just stolen yeah. games from he's the Blues. He's played well against 
everybody at times, right? He's been an incredible goalie for the majority of his career. Right now, I'm not really sure what they're thinking with the starting Soros. Soros the played great the other day. I understand, but Pecorine, to your point, yes, he's had success against the Blues. And the real, the really the one thing that scares me the most about the Predators is I think they have a great power play. I really do. I mean, last in that game against Arizona, I know they lost four three, but that first goal like hit off like five different people and went in, or hit off a chest and then yeah. deflected in. They had two power play goals, both from Forsberg. They've got Duchesne there, Yossi. I just love their power play, and it scares me for the Blues, especially the way the penalties are being called now. And the second one, I think Arizona's my three. They just slide outside of that two spot. Edmonton scares me second most. So I would re- prefer we not see Nashville first. All right, so we've got, uh, to recap it here, Alex Ferrario would not like to see Nashville first and foremost and would not like to see Arizona in the number two spot there. T-Bone, first person or first team he would not like to see, Nashville Predators seems to be a a familiar topic here. And number two, the Edmonton Oilers. All right, guys, so the team I do not want to see, I'll start with number two on this list. Number two on the list for me is the Nashville Predators. I'm with you guys on this. They still have a big core of guys that were around for their successes in getting to the Stanley Cup final. Pecorine being one of those guys. Roman Yossi, who's just a machine back there. So for me, yeah, the Nashville Predators, uh, I don't really want to see those guys. Now, the number one team that I don't want to see, there's a few reasons that I don't want to see them. Oilers pour into the offensive zone right to left. In front, shoots, score! Connor McDavid on a bouncing puck is able to score in the first 20 seconds. They have a young team. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, their goaltending, a little shaky the other night with Mike Smith, came back with uh, Kotkaniemi. No, uh, Koskinen. My, Koskinen, Koskinen. Yep. I get mm-hmm. those guys mixed up from time to time. But again, I can't seem to put my finger on it, but there's a reason I don't want to play the Oilers. Miko Koskinen chipped up the middle and McDavid flying around Monitor to the net. Backhander score! Connor McDavid's got two! So they got a guy named Leon Dreisaitl, who's pretty good out there. He's uh, up for, what, MVP this year? Yeah, pretty good. What, do you get 100-plus points yeah, last this season? not too bad. They've got Zach Cassian, who's a resident pain in the butt on that team. And they've got a few other young flying guys. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has had a good playoff so far. Darnell Nurse. I mean, we go to the list, goes on and on. And I, uh, it's just eluding me again. I can't remember the number one reason. I'm just not sure. Now it's Chase on. With Nugent Hopkins on that side. He'll fire behind the net. McDavid trying to center and scored. He threw it between Keith, between Crawford's legs. And Edmonton leads it 4-3 on Connor McDavid's first NHL hat trick in the postseason. Okay, if you haven't figured it out by now, Connor McDavid scares the bejesus out of me. (laughs) Okay, guys? He scored, what, a goal and three assists in game one against uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. and then comes back in game two and gets a hat trick. I didn't even look to see if he had an assist. He probably no, has. No, he didn't. I checked it, too. Okay, so he was way worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah, now, terrible. But still, he, this guy, he's scoring points at will, and did you see his speed? Mm-hmm. Like, that first goal was incredible. <laughs> the puck is, like, bouncing, and he just flies right past two defensemen. And then tucks it top shelf. Like, thanks. You know, no big deal. So, yeah, to me... The Edmonton Oilers worry me. Why? Because I feel like they'd play without pressure. They wouldn't be sitting there worried that they have to perform at a certain level. Hey, we're playing the defending Stanley Cup champs. We're going to go for it. We're going to flip the puck into the neutral zone. Hey, Connor, just go, and and Mm -hmm. we'll see you at center ice once you score. 
I think that to me, they're a wild card. They got Dreisaitl, McDavid. We went through all the guys that they have. If they get good goaltending, they could be very, very scary. And I'm just never, ever, ever yeah. happy playing a guy like Connor. I agree with you. Uh, they're they're a dangerous team, but I also think McDavid can be contained if you get the right matchups. But it's going to come down uh, to how they play against a team like that. By the way, Ribs, I got to correct myself. I thought it was zero wins since 2017 against Nashville. They did have three of them last year in the Stanley Cup, but it was only three wins going back to the 2017 season against Nashville. Well, Still you has your number, but the Blues have won against them. Well, Alex, be better. Okay, I will do first my of best. all, second of all, if you want to contain McDavid, eh, probably have to try and tie his skates together. That hey, might be the only way to do it. We can do it. We can do it. Hey, these guys have access to the rooms. They're That's in the true. bubble. So We're all you never in the know. same bubble. You could start like peeling away at that blade in the hotel room, you know, when McDavid's sleeping. could sneak into the, the uh, arena at Rogers Arena and start peeling away at those skates. You know where you can find a blade like that? Where is that? In the junk drawer. Guess oh. what's coming up next? <laughs> the junk drawer. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK. Brought to you by Randy's Jewelry. We make quality affordable. Let's go Blues. We're back here. Ribs and BK. We're going to dive into the junk drawer. Along with me, Alex Ferrario and T-Bone on the board. Alex, what have you got for us in the junk drawer today? All right, let's kick it off with this one. Uh, Ribs, T-Bone, do you guys believe in, you know, myths like a Bigfoot? Yes, Loch I have Ness one. monster? I have one living in my house. That's true. That's, uh, I did forget about that. His name is Ashton. <laughs> But yes, okay, I, I do believe... Okay. I, yeah, you know what? I'm intrigued by that stuff. What yes. about aliens? Uh, I, I'm on the fence. I think that... I do believe, mm-hmm. but I feel like I don't want to for simple fact because aliens are always depicted as like, they're going to hurt us, right? Right. So I don't I, I don't see them as something to be like positive in my life. T-Bone? Yeah, I'm not a big believer in the aliens. Or the Loch Ness. Well, I'm about to. I'm not going to change on Loch Ness, although there are people that believe that. I'm going to change on the UFOs, though. All right. So, most recently, um, former high level officials and scientists with deep black experiences have come out and said that the long withstanding unidentified phenomenon as UFOs and aliens are a real thing. Hmm. They are out there. And there are more and more pictures coming out from people who are saying that they are real. And one of these long um, withstanding veteran, 25-year veteran of the CIA Directorate of Operations said that I've seen them personally. Buy it or not? I don't know. This is where you lose me, right? Like, not you personally, but... Like, I've never seen anything reputable, meaning, like, I've never seen a reputable network or newspaper or publication that has shown us pictures or talked about these encounters. It's always like the National Enquirer or somebody's blog over here or somebody on social media over there. So, guys, I'm just not buying. Not I, I'm not buying that we've had encounters. Am I buying that they're around? I I don't know, but I'm not buying the encounters, T-Bone. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, and like him saying, what was his what was his quote or what did he say? He said they are real. They are out there because I have encountered them. Hmm. This is a 25 year veteran of the CIA. 
He might but be look, polluted, you, though, after all that time in the CIA. Yeah, and just because you've been there 25 years doesn't mean you're cr- not crazy. That's a good point. Maybe he's crazy because he's yep. been there for 25 Maybe years. Maybe he's crazy because he's encountered him. Right? Either way. Maybe one of those probes have been inserted. I I need, like, proof or something. That's a real pain in the butt. That is a real pain in the butt. You can't get over that. You want that kind of proof? Jesus, T-Bone. Come on, T-Bone. Not that kind of proof. T-Bone. You know what? Never mind. I don't need proof. Take that back, buddy. All right, T-Bone, what do you got for us? All right, guys. So in Rhode Island, they were issuing tax refund checks. That sounds nice. Get a nice... I like that. Nice refund. But it was signed by Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse. (laughs) I didn't know they worked for the government. I didn't either. I wouldn't be surprised. They actually have a check signed by Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse, and they're sure that it's they, an official They sent out 175 tax refund checks signed by Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse rather than the state treasurer and controller. Do you, do you, when you take that to the bank, do you play it off like you didn't know? I wonder if maybe those those other people, are their first names are Walt and Mickey. Is it just a coincidence, maybe? No, no. it actually looks like the guy's name is Jade Borgensen. <laughs> That's close. Close. You can, you can understand I mean, why. Better known as Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Jade Borgeson, uh, aka Mickey Mouse. Yeah, that's what I, it was. Okay, and, so and, and Peter Keen, Keenan, Peter Keenan. Oh, Peter Mike's Keenan. brother. No, yeah. no good. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's we all know Mike about his brother. <laughs> however, okay. So if I get a check from the government that looks like an official check, however, I notice it's signed by Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse. You know what, guys? I'm cashing that thing. I'm cashing. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna pretend that I have a blindfold on and I had no idea, didn't even realize it, and roll the dice. Now that could bite me in the buck in the butt because it could be like, yeah, hey, you know what? It's bad check, and we need all that money back. Ah, too bad. I already blew it all in Vegas. No, bad excuse. <laughs> yeah, right? it doesn't work. I'm cashing that thing, Alex. I'm cashing it too, and I'm telling people that Walt Disney gave me this check, Mickey Mouse. Gave me this check. Personalized. Why would you not want to just brag about that stuff? You, my office fans out there, I don't know if both of you are office fans, you'll get this. Reminds me of when uh, when Michael Scott filled out his paperwork for Diversity Day because he didn't want to be a part of it. Signed it as Donald Duck. Have you ever signed stuff with false names? Yes. Uh, here's a great story. What's your go-to false name? Okay, here's a great story yeah, for you. It. Mike Keenan. <laughs> Mike Keenan, when he was here as the coach of the St. Louis Blues, he'd set a curfew on the road. Oh, It'd be like 1 o'clock in the morning, right? Well, what he would do is he'd give the doorman a jersey, a Blues jersey or a T-shirt or a hat, and he'd say, hey, listen, um, when it goes past 1 a.m., can you ask the players to sign the hat as they come in? Just say, hey, I'm a real big fan. Would love for you to sign my hat. Well, guess what? That was his way of basically you're incriminating yourself, right? You're writing down, oh, yeah, Jamie Rivers, number six. He's like, okay, now I know he was out past curfew. Now, the players, we talk. We talk, guys. Of course you do. We don't have social media back then, but we had phones. We had, oh, I don't know, person-to-person conversations. We knew about this. So the very first road trip we had where Iron Mike brought out the jersey and the doorman brought out the jersey, we were like, good one, nice one. So I became Reggie Dunlop that night, who is the main character in the movie Slapshot. Yep. We had Gordy Howe sign it. We had a couple other, Rocket Richard signed the jersey. And then I believe one of the players, Shane Corson, uh, came in and he just MF'd the door guy. Oh, boy, he wasn't really? happy. Well, yeah, he's like, I know what this is. So who found out that that's what he was doing? Or how did you find players out? Players from other teams. Players from the Rangers had talked. to. We had a couple of guys who played for the Rangers oh, that were now used to do St. It. Louis Blues guys, right? Like Craig McTavish yeah. was on our team now, and he was like, whoa, don't put the pen down and back away. <laughs> and so, yeah, we didn't get... Uh, 
We didn't get messed on that. So Reggie Dumlop, I to love your it. signature thing. I've yeah, I forged a few that were comical that like is that. Fantastic. So guys, here we go. Ta- talking of cheating or eluding or fraudulent, I don't know. I don't use these words when I talk about the New England Patriots. No. Some people do. I wonder why. I don't know. It's just hearsay. Anyways. <laughs> New England Patriots, I have a theory, guys. Okay. They are tanking this season. Now, I know you're going to say bull. Bill Belichick going to tank a season? You guys told me that was bull when I said that, but that's okay. Hear me out here. They are purposely telling guys to opt out. They're purposely telling guys to opt out. And guess what? Like TB12 or some other company from Robert Kraft is going to hire these guys as consultants and he's going to pay them their salary on the side, and they're going to be like, hey, guess what? We're tanking, but we're not officially tanking. So now Belichick doesn't have to look like, oh, I tanked a season. He still gets to go out there and give it the old college try and then get low enough to where he can work a deal because guess what? He wants the quarterback of the future. Who's the quarterback of the future? Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes, guess sir. what I saw yesterday? Let's hear it. I saw a Trevor Lawrence New England Patriots jersey. I saw it. You already saw it? I saw one that was made. I can't confirm or deny that the Patriots maybe leaked the information. I don't know, but I saw it. So, guys, in your opinion, do you think the Patriots are kind of tanking this? I don't. (laughs) No? The the reason I don't is I I honestly thought they were before they signed Cam Newton. I honestly thought they were going to do that. We're going to tank. We'll get Trevor Lawrence. Boom. Done. We're going to have another dynasty. But when they signed Cam Newton... I just can't buy into that. Why would you sign him? And it's not like they can go to camp. Hey, you're going to opt out for us? And he's going to be like, no way in hell am I opting out. I need to prove myself. I wasn't signed until a couple weeks before training camp. I don't buy it. Ribs, you're diving into the Ferrario uh, conspiracy theory, Tim aren't you? Ferrario. You're going into it there. No, I, I can see it, but I don't think they have to, to throw the season. I think they know that they're going to compete and they're going to be bad. Even if with Cam Newton, you still don't have any weapons. Your defense is destructive. Now, I don't think it's Belichick telling them to opt out. I think these guys are just saying, screw this, I'm opting out. And then it's like, okay, cool. Well, we'll compete. I'm not going to throw the season because we're going to be that bad anyway. All right. Well, I guess players opting out because of COVID-19. Well, that seems to be a popular topic around here these days in St. Louis. We've got players that have tested positive for COVID-19 on the St. Louis Cardinals. Some prominent players, too. You know what? What is a satellite camp? What goes on in Springfield? Who the heck is even down there? You know what? We're going to find out because we're going to talk to Nate Lucas, who's Springfield Cardinals broadcaster, and we're going to get down to business and find out who could come up to the Cardinals. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. BK, we are moments away from talking to Nate Lucas. Who's Nate Lucas, you ask? Well, I'll tell you what. He's Springfield Cardinals broadcaster. And why is that relevant? It's relevant because right now the St. Louis Cardinals are in some COVID-19 trouble, and they're going to have to pull some players up from somewhere. So we're looking to get some information on that. I have so many questions about what is actually going on in Springfield. And we're lucky right now to jump on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in Springfield Cardinals broadcaster, Nate Lucas. You can also follow him at 
N Lucas Zero on Twitter. So, Nate, thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure. How are you guys? We're doing pretty good, uh, all things considered. Obviously, the big news around here is the number of COVID tests that have been positive for the St. Louis Cardinals, and now seeing some of the big names that have been, you know, affected by this. Uh, we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on down in Springfield. That's the number one thing for me is I'm like, what exactly is a satellite camp and what does it look like down in Springfield? Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, I think you got to look at what's happening in Springfield and isolate it from what exactly like our mind thinks of the minor leagues right now. You've got a lot of players down here uh, that are technically a satellite camp, but if you were to walk on a backfield at Roger Dean Stadium and look at some of the drills and practices and different simulated games that minor leaguers go through on a day-to-day basis. That's really more um, about what this is, as opposed to just having guys ready to bring up to the big league level. It's not, I mean, that's why you've got several players that were just drafted this year and Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn not losing a year under their development and getting some practice down here. And they've got great instructors between Jose Okendo and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on between Tim Levesque and, and Russ Steinhorn and Roberto Espinoza. They're running a camp, and it's essentially a spring training for guys to make sure that they don't use a year, lose a year of development. Nate Dog, great to talk with you, buddy. Always love catching up. I'm curious, though, with these workouts, kind of like what you talked about of what people see at spring training in Jupiter, Florida, are, are there simulated games being played? Like, are these guys going through what a normal game would be like, or is this just more workouts with batting practice and, and just working with Jose Okeno and the coaches that you named off? Well, I think it's everything you just mentioned. There are simulated games, and guys know when they come to the park who's going to throw a simulated game. Like, there's a very detailed plan. Uh, there's also meetings where these guys are going through, uh, you know, different classes that they would get as part of the Cardinals core program that they have implemented in their organization. Like, there, there are a lot of things, and they try to they try to blueprint their day almost exactly of what would happen if they were going to Bush Stadium. So they show up in the afternoon about right now is about what time they would report. Uh, They get their work done. Maybe they have a weight training uh, situation on their schedule and then they hit the fields and they go, you know, take BP. And then there's a a dedicated schedule for guys each day as to what they're going to do. All right, Nate, a quick question. Shifting gears just a little bit here. I do want to get back to what we're seeing on the field of play, but also kind of a logistical question is, are the players going through the same testing down there? And are there any protocols that are in place? And the reason I ask that is because right now the Cardinals, you know, they may need to knock on the door and bring some guys up. And, you know, you're probably going to want to make sure those guys are healthy and able to come up. No. Yeah, absolutely. There's a hundred percent testing going on. The guys were tested every two days. Uh, they get their temperature checked every time they get into the, you know, walk into the stadium. Uh, there are protocols in place that were a part of the 130 plus page, you know, doctrine that Major League Baseball put out in order for the the play to resume. So they are following 100 percent of the protocol down here. In fact, you might even call it more stringent. Like the, the the amount of people that have access to the players, I believe, is a grand total of four, and that includes. Uh, the groundskeeper, like we're talking about two clubhouse people and, and a vice president who has access to areas in which the players roam. So we're, this is all very low key. Uh, the, the players are 
you know, I, I think they understand what's at stake. First of all, the organization has identified them as guys who they clearly think highly of to be a part of the big leagues at some point in their career. And so this is an opportunity for them to grow and continue to learn the Cardinal brand. And I, if I were them, I would keep as low as a profile as I possibly could right now. Again, we're talking with Nate Lucas, the play-by-play man for the Springfield Cardinals, the area that is the taxi squad for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's also the host uh, from 9 to 11 a.m. in the morning of ESPN Radio in the Ozarks, 98.7 FM. Always great to talk with Nate. And Nate, the big name in St. Louis people are talking about is Dylan Carlson. Not only is he a part of this taxi squad, but you watched him grow through the Springfield Cardinals system, be promoted to the Memphis AAA system. So the questions that people are asking are, is Dylan Carlson ready to be a major leaguer? And what is this going to do to his uh, to his his playing time going from AAA of not playing to Major League Baseball? Uh, well, he did play. He, he got up to uh, AAA last year and, and I think handled AAA pitching pretty well. The biggest difference that you'll see when a guy goes from AA where you see mostly hard throwers and guys with really good stuff when you get to AAA, you've got some fringe big leaguers who are probably on the 40-man roster who are throwing you a lot of junk. And I think when you're able to tame your eye for both situations that you see both in the big leagues, uh, that, that pretty much qualifies you. There's no question Dylan Carlson's a big league hitter. Uh, he hits from both sides of the plate. He's got tremendous power, and he's one of the most down-to-earth individuals you'll ever come across. Uh, from a maturity standpoint, the kid loves baseball. His dad was his coach growing up. He's got a great family story, and uh, I can guarantee you, he will be he will be a, a building block for the St. Louis Cardinals in their outfield, probably right field, uh, moving forward. He's going to be a mainstay for sure and All a fan favorite. All right, Nate. Obviously, Dylan Carlson, we've covered that. He is by far the biggest name and the hot topic here in St. Louis, specifically right now during these times of uncertainty with the Cardinals roster. But for our listeners who are tuning in today who maybe are unfamiliar with some of the prospects that are down in Springfield, what are some of the other names that we can you know, at least get to know a little bit as they show some real potential down there? Yeah, I think, first of all, if you look at who gets time in big league camp, right, those are the names that are probably going to get the first crack if the Cardinals have to pick up guys off the uh, off this uh, roster here in Springfield. But definitely, I mean, we talked about Dylan Carlson. Justin Williams is a player they picked up in the Tommy Pham trade. He's got uh, a little bit of big league experience with the Rays. Um, power-hitting outfielder that's got a unique skill set. Max Schrock is a player they picked up in the deal from Oakland, and, and Steven Piscotti, who's a, a versatile infielder and hits from the left side. Evan Mendoza is an infielder that's uh, an 11th-round pick out of NC State, uh, actually was a teammate of Andrew Kisner. And uh, when you look at what he's done, he's a promising talent, but he sort of lost a position. So interesting there. John Nagowski is a first baseman who doesn't hit for a lot of power, but he doesn't strike out at all, has one of the best uh, walk rates in all of minor league baseball at any level. And that's probably those are probably the guys that they would pick from uh, from a player standpoint, when you look at pitching, I mean, obviously Alex Reyes, Henesis Cabrera, and then from there you got to dip into a Johan Oviedo or an Angel Rondon. Uh, but the big prospects, I think you're looking at Matthew Liberatore, who came over from the Rays, Zach Thompson, another left-hander uh, that the Cardinals have. And between those two, those are probably your top pitching prospects that have really not reached double-A yet. So they're, I wouldn't call them qualified to reach the big leagues this year. 
but Liberatore and Thompson were both expected at some point to join the Springfield rotation. All great names, Nate. One pops out to me, though, that you mentioned, Andrew Kisner. Now, of course, he's on the big league roster. He is possibly going to see some playing time now with the news of Yadier Molina testing positive with COVID-19. You watched Kisner play. Fans have seen a little bit of pieces of Andrew Kisner. What can people expect if this guy is going to be in the everyday lineup? He's a total gamer. I'll tell you a story that when Adam Wainwright came down here and rehabbed a few years ago, Andrew Kisner caught him. And uh, Adam Wainwright was asked later about who he thought were, were guys to watch. And one name he repeatedly said was Andrew Kisner. And I thought it was fitting that you guys might remember the year or last year when, when uh, Wayno threw, what, about 130 pitches yeah. against the Chicago Cubs in that ridiculous game. You know who caught him that afternoon at Bush Stadium was Andrew Kisner. So he's not afraid of the moment. Uh, he, he's, he's a likable character. As far as his bat, I think the more playing time that he gets, he's a line drive hitter that can hit it to all fields. And, uh, he knows how to call a game, and that, that's that been a change for him. I mean, he's had to learn how to call a game from behind the plate because he was actually not a catcher in college. So they've changed his position a little bit, but he's picked it up. He's learning the mechanics behind the plate from a defensive standpoint, and uh, I like his. I mean, I know he wants a shot, and here he might have his opportunity. So sometimes the, the most patient uh, way is the good way to pay, get paid off here. Great stuff there, Nate. Honestly, I can't thank you enough for jumping on here today. And you helped me out because I had no idea what's going on in Springfield. And now at least I'll be able to pay attention and and have a look for some of these guys as the Cardinals potentially call them up. But really appreciate you taking time in your day to come on here and help uh, myself out as well as the listeners. My pleasure. Always uh, good to talk with you guys. Keep up the great work. Thanks a lot, Nate. Nate. All right, again, that was Nate Lucas, Springfield Cardinals broadcaster on Twitter at NLucasZero. Gave us some really good stuff there about the young players in Springfield right now and kind of how they're handling things. So much appreciated uh, having him on and be able to help us out with that. One thing I want to find out for sure, guys, on the backside of this is I want to find out just what the playoffs were going to look like for the St. Louis Blues and... Maybe the St. Louis Cardinals. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Hear every St. Louis Blues game right here. WXOS, WXOS, HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Be the first to know everything about your St. Louis Cardinals. It's nonstop cards talk. The Danny Mac Report. Monday mornings with Carriker and Smallman. Wednesdays with Rivers and BK. And Fridays on your drive home with the Fast Lane. More cards talk more often. The Danny Mac Report. Powered by Goodwill. Exclusively on 101 ESPN. Sports talk for St. Louis. It's time for your sports medication. Please take one capsule daily. It's Ribs and BK, powered by Auto Centers Nissan on 101 ESPN. Use only as directed. Get all the blues info here first on 101 ESPN. With blues playoff reports, we get you inside the Western Conference bubble and onto the ice. It's the blues playoff report brought to you by Randy's Jewelry. We make quality affordable. Let's go blues on 101 ESPN. All right, we want to talk about some blues and some playoff stuff. We did cover that earlier, so again, you can get to the podcast and have a listen to it 
later on today. But here's my thoughts on the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs right now. One, guys, we have to generate some momentum. We got a game against the Vegas Golden Knights coming up. We finished that up with the Dallas Stars in the round robin. We're yet to see which teams are going to make the playoffs based on the play-ins. My personal choice to not play is the Edmonton Oilers. I just feel they are young. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of speed. They have an individual by the name of Connor McDavid, and he can turn games upside down with a flick of a wrist. He is incredible at taking the puck, going wide, generating offense. And we saw last night, even bouncing pucks don't stand a chance against Connor McDavid. So if the Blues are going to have some success here down the road, first they got to take on the Vegas Golden Knights, then they got to get to the Dallas Stars, and then we'll see who the opponent is. But for me, I got my fingers crossed that it will not be the Edmonton Oilers. Now, my fingers crossed on another subject is that we're actually going to see Cardinals playoff baseball this year. And gentlemen, I have to say, I'm a little bit worried. Based upon what we're dealing with right now, I'm a little bit worried that the Cardinals, they might just fall short this season for making the playoffs. Even though, Alex Ferrario, it's been extended to more teams, we just don't know how this COVID is going to affect the St. Louis Cardinals. We don't know what's going to do the Marlins. Now, the Marlins, honestly, like, they weren't making it anyways, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Take care. Comb your hair. But after that, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're expected to be a playoff team. And I'm just worried at what we could be looking at, you know, 10, 15 games from now, which is a big, big chunk of the season. Especially when it comes down to the point percentage scenario now. I mean, that's what teams are going to be going through when you think of the fact that, what, the Cardinals have 55 games to play in 52 days not going to be an easy task to get this team to 60 games. So it is, it's, point percentage is, is crucial now, but that's why I think you're going to get to the point when, when you're talking playoffs with this Cardinals team, there's no more room for error. There, there wasn't already room for error, but now especially it's as tight as can be for the Cardinals and the management when you're looking at the roster, the games, the play that's going to matter. Point percentage is going to be huge for these guys. So one bad game, you might be looking at being down for a series. So here, I guess, is my concern on all this is, I guess it's a question and a concern all wrapped into one, is my concern is not having Yadier Molina. I know yeah. we talked about having Andrew Kisner get his chance and whatnot. I don't, no matter how good he is, he's not Yadier Molina. He's just not Yadi. So I guess when I ask a question, it's, can the Cardinals be successful during this stretch without Yadi? We do have a pitching staff that, look, at they've got some injuries, some key guys out. We don't know who the seventh player was that tested positive for COVID. Is it another pitcher? If it is, is it somebody that's in the rotation? I'm not sure. So Yadi Molina, pretty important when it comes down to you know guiding those guys and managing the game. T-Bone, d- d- how big of a, a miss is Yadi right now for the Cardinals? I think it's huge. And part of the reason to that, too, is he guides the pitching staff and let's be honest, the Cardinals are still kind of a young team in that pitching staff. You take out Wayno, and then it's kind of young. I mean, he's really the veteran of the pitching, the starting pitching. Well, Seamart too, but he hasn't started in a long time. So who's got to calm him down if he struggles like he did in Minnesota? Yachty. If Hudson can't find the sinker, who's got to calm him down? Yachty. Uh, the what good, about Flaherty? The you good, know, Jack Flaherty, how important, and sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to, I'm, trying to set you up here too at the same time because I want to get your opinion on this. How much does Yachty affect a guy like Jack Flaherty? A guy like Jack Flaherty, 
I think he's I think he's helpful for I think he's a huge part of Jack Flaherty. Now I'm not saying is he essential if, to Flaherty's success? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think he's essential to his success, but I think he can be the guy. I honestly believe that Yachty had some part of helping Flaherty in his dominant second half. I I kind of wonder if behind the scenes Yachty saw something and went to Flaherty and said, "Hey, let's do that." Because I mean, not very often you're going to see a guy turn it around like that without someone giving him something that helps him click. That's kind of the way I view it. Now, the good news about this, and I just thought of this too, Kisner's probably caught a lot of these guys. Hudson, he may have caught. Uh, KK would not have. But Wayno, as we just had Nate Lucas say, he caught Wainwright on a rehab assignment that game against the Cubs. So Molina's a big loss, but I feel confident with throwing Kisner behind the plate. He's worked with all of those, at least in the rotation-wise. He's worked with every one of those guys from times in the minors. Even a Carlos Martinez, when he was going through rehab, he's caught games for him. So I don't know if a, I don't know if he's essential, Yadier Molina, to these guys. I think he's important to what Tanner touched on of calming pitchers down, like a Carlos Martinez who are getting out of whack, or if things are going the wrong way for a Dakota Hudson or a Jack Flaherty to be able to get them back into the right mindset. I'd be curious of how Andrew Kisner handles that because he hasn't experienced that that much. And as Nate mentioned, this is a guy who hasn't played catcher his entire life, but it's a it's a breath of youthful air, I think, and that's no disrespect to Yachty, but it's something different, and I think something different can be beneficial to the team. It's a different voice, and look, Andrew Kisner's been working with Yachty or Molina his entire time in the Cardinals organization at spring training, so there's a little bit of Yachty and all of these guys behind the plate, so I think in terms of the pitching staff, Kisner's going to help. He's not going to make the difference like Yachty does, but he's going to help and be beneficial to these pitchers. Look, it's going to be interesting for me to see where the Cardinals' record goes from here as far as in the short term. You know, how much are they affected by these COVID tests? How much are they affected by these guys being out of the lineup? And I guess my question, again, is things is how will we view this Cardinals team? Like, how do you measure their success here based upon the fact that what if they end up missing the playoffs? Is it a direct reflection on John Mosellock, Mike Schilt, some of the players, or is it one of those screwy seasons to where, yeah, COVID interrupted uh, a good thing and we never quite found our balance after that? To me, especially here in St. Louis, where we have such hardcore fans, I wonder how will we view this season if it doesn't work out for the Cardinals. I think you can blame it on a, a screwy season. I don't think that's... Blame the, it on the rain? Blame it on the alcohol. I, 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 alcohol. That was another one. That was, yeah, that's and a good if it's one. raining too, it's bad. That's true. I, I mean, you can you can blame anything for it. I mean, it's going to be looked at as an excuse, but depending on how long Paul DeYoung is out, that's a major piece of your offense. Uh, depending on how long Yadier Molina is out, that's an effect on your defensive ability there without that catcher. And your pitcher, your pitching-wise, you are losing some pieces there. So... Look, depending if they're out four games, five games, six games, it's going to affect it, especially if you're not going to get to 60 total and you're going by win percentage. So a couple of losses because you didn't have Paul DeYoung's bat or you didn't have Yachty's defense or you didn't have Cody Whitley to come out of the bullpen, that's going to affect your outcome for the playoff. But I don't think it's the lone excuse on why, because you could have filled those gaps that you were lacking. And, you know, you mentioned with Molina coming out, Jamie, in the past, the Cardinals have done terrible without Yachty in the lineup. But I don't know about your guys' thoughts, but to me, this is the most confident I've felt in years with having a Yachty be out for a time. I don't know amount of time because we can't tell. But you look at years past, Tony Cruz filling in. Okay, not only was he not a great defensive catcher, but he couldn't hit the ball. 
I am confident Weeders can hit the ball. He's a veteran. I'm confident Kisner can hit the ball. He's a young kid. So I'm fine there. And going on, how do you touch on this Cardinal season? I tell you what, you can't blame Mo. And I think Mo is, again, you can't say he's in a great spot, but there's no chance you blame Mo here because you can't prove, you can't say, oh, well, you, you didn't, this team was terrible. You should have gone and gotten Arenado. Well, guys are out. How can you tell? And if they do great, Mo can just sit there and say, I told you this was a great team. Mo doesn't lose in any scenario here, I don't think. Got some news from Mark Saxon, fellas. You want it? Sure, why not? Even if it's bad? Hit me in the forehead, Okay, baby. well, it's good, at least for now. MLB, according to Max Saxon, or Mark Saxon, just announced it's going to try to play the Field of Dreams game between the Cardinals and the White Sox next August. Okay, well, so that's good news. It's, it's officially canceled for this season, but next August, the Cardinals and White Sox are going to try and make up that Field of Dreams game. We'll take that. That's good news. That's a positive, right? Headed in the right direction. Sunny out. Let's now, do it. back to your point, T-Bone, about John Mosaylock. People are going to be like, oh, I don't want to blame John Mosaylock for what's going on right now. I view it a little differently. I view it in the fact that we might be singing his praises after all this. We talk about depth, development, the system, all these things that John Mosaylock has been preaching for years. Now, this is his Super Bowl for that. Everything that he's done, this is his Super Bowl to show just how well they've developed players, and hopefully that gets the Cardinals in the playoffs. Now, talking to playoffs, we're going to go talk Blues hockey with our insider, Jeremy Rutherford, when we come out of the break. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. All right, welcome back to Ribs and BK. Uh, BK out again today on assignment. We're having him work on some grilling skills at the neighbor's house because he's not allowed on the grill at his girlfriend's parents' house. <laughs> now, I'm joined by Alex Ferrario and DJ Dirty Elbows, T-Bone, who's working the pit for us today, doing a fantastic job. We are going to now venture out onto the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And I use that term very loosely because I love this man, but I'm not sure if he's a celebrity. We're welcoming in Jeremy Rutherford. JR, how you doing today? I'm doing well, and we can put an end to that right now. No way uh, close to a celebrity, but uh, hey, I do owe you some thanks riv i know i sent you a text earlier this week but uh i was an energy drink guy you saw me drinking an energy drink at practice the other day and you said listen dude you gotta back off of those and i did so i'm about eight nine days in a row uh, without one, so uh, I owe it all to you. Thanks, buddy. Oh, well, good, buddy. Hey, listen, I I didn't know how bad they were making me feel until I stopped drinking them, and I feel a whole lot better. So, listen, power to you, buddy. I know that you're trying to uh, get yourself in tip-top shape and be healthy, and uh, that's all we want from you, JR. Yep, no, appreciate it, appreciate it. So how are you guys doing? Well, we're doing good. We had the chance to talk to David Perron earlier today. Uh, okay. It was a quick talk, but he gave us some really good stuff, and and basically, he, he kind of let us know that the Blues know as a team right now, the players specifically, and Craig Berube as well, obviously, but they know they're not where they need to be. And David Perron, actually, he, he verbatim said, we didn't deserve to win that game against Colorado. And I view that as a positive, JR. I view that as something that if the Blues recognize where they are right now, I think that's a sign of good things to come. Yeah, I think too, and uh, I think so too. And David Prime said that on the Zoom call after the game the other night. He said the bounce went their way, and quite frankly, the the bounce should have gone their way. We weren't the the good team tonight, and so uh, I think that's uh, really good awareness on his part. 
And hey, listen, we knew it was going to take uh, the Blues a little bit of time to ramp up. Uh, just some thoughts. I wrote a piece the other night after the game that was a little critical, just saying, you know, keep in mind this isn't 2019. Not everything works out the way you hope that it will. And, you know, those magical moments don't always happen. But where I'm coming from is we heard for weeks and weeks that, uh, the Blues needed to get to their game quickly. This is a different style of tournament, as we all know. So are they afforded some extra time because of the exhibition, because of the uh, round-robin games? For sure they are. But you look around and you watch these other games, and teams are starting to get to what they do, and we haven't seen that from the Blues until that third period. So uh, I feel like the Blues are still in good shape, obviously. They're aware of what's going on. Uh, but they need to ramp it up and, and get going uh, pretty quickly. Well, JR, we talked about this on pregame Sunday night about Perron's comments of, you know, you haven't seen what we're doing in practice in terms of the physicality and ramping things up. I'm just curious from your perspective after watching this, Ribs and I have talked a lot about it, but the physicality seemed like it was an issue. It started to pick up the pace against the Avalanche, but watching some of these other teams, do you feel like the Blues can get back to that level as fast as they need to? Yeah, I think they can, and I think they probably will. And, you know, one game isn't, uh, you know, a sign that things aren't going to come together. Uh, the game against Colorado, the first couple periods, it's just a little disappointing when you interview, uh, let's just say, uh, David Prawn after that exhibition game. And uh, he said that, hey, the past two practices after the loss to Chicago were unreal. They were up-tempo, high pace, good intensity. We're going to be fine when we play Colorado. Craig Bruby said same thing. When the games matter, I think we're going to be fine. And then you watch the first uh, 30 minutes of that game, and you just don't see it. You don't see the aggressiveness. You don't see the forecheck. That's what their bread and butter is. That's what they're going to have to get to. You started to see signs of it in the third period, like David Perron said. So all you can do if you're a Blues fan is believe in them because they've given us uh, you know, so much experience and moments and times where they said we'll be fine. And you know, over a course of time, they wound up being okay. All right, we're talking to Blues Insider for The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. You can also find him at on Twitter at J.P. Rutherford. J.R., you talk about practices and getting the amount of time in to get back to your back game. Vince Dunn was a player that didn't get a lot of practice. In fact, got minimal time in training camp until they actually were in the bubble in Edmonton. His first game back the other night, played right away, uh, for the St. Louis Blues left side with Justin Falk, I think he looked pretty darn good. To me, you know, youth on his side, of course, but I thought he looked pretty good. And in your opinion, where do you think the Blues are going to be headed with this ultimately with those bottom 3D being Justin Falk, Robert Bortuzzo, and Vince Dunn? Yeah, it's going to be something because I didn't expect him to play. I was uh, admitting that a, a couple of days ago uh, when he did play. Craig Bruby said that everybody was available, but he kind of in the same sentence said, you know, Vince hasn't had a ton of practice time, but they had a chat and Vince said, hey, I want to play. And Craig Bruby said, look, if we're going to get Vince done going for this tournament, we got to get him some action. So they got him in there. He's got the Jets. He can skate. Uh, they got him in there against a fast Colorado team. I thought he was you know, really good for – uh, first game playing 15 minutes and also what it does is it puts uh, you know a familiar face on that left side wrist and that third pair it allows him to move Justin Falk back to the right side he was playing on the left when they had Bortuzzo in there and in terms of what it does this is a situation the Blues have had for a couple of years now is just so much depth especially uh, five six seven defensemen Bortuzzo you like him you like what he brings but a lot of times he's going to be uh, perhaps that odd man out. So I think what they have right now 
is probably what they're going to roll with uh, the next game or two, unless they want to get some other guys in, get some action. You know, the question is going to continue to be for me, you know, can Carl Gunnarsson keep pace with Alex Petrangelo? He's not going to play the minutes, of course, but ha- can he continue to be a solid defensive uh, paired-up guy with Petrangelo, or else are they going to have to move Falk up and, and kind of move things around? So I think that's the thing to watch if you're watching this Blues defense. JR, and again, we're talking with Jeremy Rutherford, the Blues beat writer for The Athletic. You can find all of his work and The Athletic or at J.P. Rutherford on Twitter. Uh, JR, we can all agree that Jordan Bennington was phenomenal in that game against the Colorado Avalanche. Unfortunately, he did take the loss. I'm curious your perspective. Do you think we see Jake Allen in either Thursday's game against Vegas or Sunday's game against Dallas? Yeah, I would think so. I really do. I think that uh, Craig Ruby said that they're both going to have to get some action. I know they split time in that exhibition game. Uh, Jordan Bennington's looked uh, phenomenal. Uh, two periods against Chicago and then the uh, the game uh, the other night against Colorado. I mean, that game's not one nothing. It's not 1-1 for as long as it was without uh, Jordan Bennington. So he's going to be your guy once the playoffs start, once that first round starts. But I think you got got to get Jake a little more action. You know, you don't foresee a reason why you'd have to pull Bennington with as good as he's looked, but it's a long two months, as we all know. And Craig Bruby has said that, uh, you know, guys are going to have a little bit of a shorter leash uh, because of the way that this uh, tournament sets up. And so, you know, he's not talking about Jordan Bennington when he says that, but you might have to go to Jake Allen at some point uh, during the first, second round, however far they make it. So I think it'd be wise to get Jake Allen some action. JR was Vladdy Tarasenko's second game back the other night, his first game. I thought that he looked really good. Um, and the game against Colorado, you know, not vintage Tarasenko. And I guess where I want to go with this is the only goal the Blues have scored so far in this postseason or whatever you want to call it, this round robin, has been a power play goal. They scored one goal, it's been a power play goal, and it was the first unit, David Perron, scoring that goal. What did you see out of Vladimir Tarasenko the other night? He looked frustrated to me, and I couldn't tell if he was frustrated because... He's not getting the power play reps, or if he's just frustrated with his own play, or gosh, it could have been both, JR. Could have been both, probably was both, Riv. Uh, I thought that that first game, the exhibition game, he gets his feet under him, uh, got a couple shots off. I think he led the team with five shots. He didn't get engaged in any contact after the game. Craig Ruby's still you know, hoping to see Tarasenko test that shoulder because he's not going to be able to be the player he is until he tests that, until he feels comfortable. The second game, I, I think you wanted to see more, not just from him, from that line. Uh, I think it was a step back. Uh, those guys only had two shots on goal combined for the line. Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, Vladimir Tarasenko, two shots. Uh, at even strength. They they played less than uh, 14 and a half minutes, all three of them. That's unheard of. These guys are usually, you know, 16, 17 minutes. Craig Bruby said yesterday, I didn't realize that they played that little, but I don't know if that's a uh, coach speak or what, but they didn't look good. And the thing is, they're just not doing anything with the puck. You get into the offensive zone uh, and they're, they're not skating well with it. They're not moving it. They're, they're not getting set up to where they can create anything one and done kind of like the rest of the team right now, but you need to rely on these guys even more so. Uh, so uh, you got to see uh, some progress from that line or Craig Burby at some point is going to have to uh, look at the idea of changing things up a little bit. JR, a player that stuck out to me in Sunday's game was Ivan Barbashev. He had seven hits on that fourth line. He was creating some offense with Alexander Steen and Oscar Sundquist. Without him, and we don't know when he's going to be gone, we just know that he is going to be leaving the bubble at some point because of the birth of his first child. Um, how will this t- team 
continue to go without Barbashev? Do you think he's going to have an effect with without being there in the lineup? And a follow-up to that, who do you think we see there other than McEachern? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Barbashev, you know, when you think of the top four or five Blues forwards, you don't think of Ivan Barbashev. But he's just such a key cog on that line with Sunquist and Steen. And obviously we know what a motor uh, Sunquist has and how when he plays well, the team seems to play well. And, you know, Steen, a veteran on that other side, you might not see some of the things that he does and makes uh, other players better. Uh, but you look at that left side, Barbashev, uh, he could be missing for the next game. Vegas, we don't know. He could leave any day now when he comes back to St. Louis for that, that delivery. Uh, but So it looks like it's going to be McEachern. He did not play the other night, but Craig Ruby has told us when, when Ivan Barbashev leaves, it's going to be a McEachern. So, Alex, I think he'll get that first crack, and we'll just have to see how he plays to see if they need to uh, look at the rest of the lineup and, and look at, into bringing somebody else in. But I think it's going to be McEachern's job. Uh, as soon as Barbashev leaves. Well, Jr., we look forward to seeing the Blues Thursday night against the Golden Knights and uh, look forward to seeing uh, if some of these things come to fruition for the boys and if they can get back to the game that we know they can play and have some success. So, Jr., look, uh, I know you're a busy guy, a lot of stuff going on right now. We really appreciate you taking the time here to chat with us today. Uh, go enjoy your day, and remember, stay off those energy drinks. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks, JR. That, again, was uh, Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for The Athletic. He's a great follow on Twitter, too. An incredible follow. He's got great pieces. If you're going to follow him, he's at JP Rutherford on Twitter. Coming up next, we're going to get into a segment that uh, usually sparks some controversy, but we're going to find out if you're in or if you're out. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's In or Out with Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Ribs back here with you, and it's Ribs and BK. We've talked about this a couple of days. BK on special assignment, so therefore we're deferring to Alex Ferrario, who's done a great job, and our DJ, Dirty Elbows, T-Bone, working the pit for us, our third man in, doing a fantastic job. So what time is it, you ask? Well, I'll tell you what. It's 1.35 in the afternoon, and that's your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, the official provider of Rolex jewelry. It's also time for in or out. T-Bone, what do you got for us? All right, well, I want to jump to a mic drop that we got and something interesting to kind of get an idea on here during this COVID issue for the Cardinals. I think something we need to think about, too, is the chemistry in the clubhouse now. How many of the younger guys or whoever it is that left and went out and went to the casino or wherever they went and got it and brought it back if you read Yachty and DeYoung's statement especially, talking about how they didn't leave, they, they were strictly, you know, following guidelines, and they still got it. So, we can't confirm if the Cardinals went to a casino. Mosellock's disputing that. In or out, there could be locker room tension for the Cardinals this season. Okay, so with that mic drop, which, by the way, there's a fantastic mic drop. We appreciate those all the time. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Now, yeah, that could cause some problems in the clubhouse. Was Adam Wainwright, before all this started, said, uh, hey, we've had a talk in the clubhouse, and the guys know what the expectations are. And everybody was like, wow, Wayne, you know, he's drawing a line in the sand here. 
Now, that being said, we don't know if the guys were out, if they're doing something. Heck, they could have went into an Uber, went down to a restaurant, and something you know went on there. It doesn't necessarily have to be evil. We've determined that today. Inside, automatically something wrong. Yeah. But if it is, if it is, then yeah, guys will be pissed. You don't think Yachty's going to be pissed? Heck, Yachty's got a neck tattoo. You know what? My grandfather told me. No, he didn't. But anyways, don't mess with a guy with a neck tattoo. It's true. All right? I, do, so, I did hear that before. I'm just saying. Yachty's got, he got a lot of leadership in that team. And if him and Wayno and now DeYoung, who's, you know, he's one of your big bats in the lineup, your number four hitter. We talked about that earlier. Yeah, this could piss some guys off. And I can tell you for sure that in a hockey locker room, I can't speak to Major League Baseball, but in the NHL locker room, if somebody sacrificed the goodness of the team for themselves, hell would be paid. Somebody be thrown down in the middle of the locker room. I'm out on it. I think if there is an issue, and we don't know if it is, but if there is an issue, it's not from one of your leaders. And who are your leaders? Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter, Adam Wainwright. If there's an issue with somebody, it's one of the younger players, and the leaders are going to have the conversation with them. You think it's automatic? I think There's so. a young guy? Well, I, it's hard to say it's automatic with a young guy. But look at look at the older guys for you. I That's mean, a good point. Paul Goldschmidt, a Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright. You got these veterans, and Andrew Miller, who debated even coming into the bubble. But I, I think it's going to be a conversation had between the leaders and that player, and it's going to be done there. Because the player's not going to argue with it. It's going to be a... Look, I was I, I messed up. We're moving forward, and then that's it. Who comes out to play a week from now with a shiner? <laughs> <laughs> that's how they handle it, huh? That's when we'll figure out. This that, isn't uh, a Jamie Rivers locker room. <laughs> Player number seven sporting a shiner. We'll figure that out pretty well, quickly. You'll know pretty fast. All right. So apparently, M and M's is dropping a new. What would you call it? A flavor? Is that how you'd refer to an yeah. M and M? Flavor. Yeah, flavor. Yeah, be a flavor. Yeah. Choice, okay. flavor. So the new choice slash flavor for M and M's is popcorn M and M's in or out. So uh, out on this one. Really? Because I'm yes, kind of curious. No. I'm Look, kind of in. Wait, no. wait. The M and M's are the ones specifically with chocolate in the middle, right? right? Yes. Well, they have fudge ones. They have peanut butter ones. They have peanut Pretzel. ones. Okay, Pretzel. but this is relevant though. Yeah, it doesn't matter though. You it does, no. because if I've got popcorn and peanut butter, I'm probably going to gag. No, it's chocolate. It's okay, peanut but butter. That's why I just asked you the question, Alex Ferrario. They're all with chocolate. You gave me a laundry list and you didn't specify. Those are all different flavors. Wait, have you never had M&M's? I have. Is the chocolate half- ones. Is how, that rare? How does oh, a half sorry, work? I have the original. I'm My bad. How I'm does a half go work, Rivs? Forget oh, you guys. No. All right, I'm out on the damn yeah. popcorn thing. I'm, I want no. if I want popcorn, I want popcorn. popcorn. I don't want it in a candy form or this, that, yeah. the other. I don't know. Get T-bone? all those popcorn flavors out I'm of here. I'm kind of in on that though. You don't want to try a little like chocolate with some popcorn flavor? No. 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 Popcorn is meant for popcorn. Hot, salty, out of the oven or microwave or wherever you cook it. If, I don't know. If I brought them in, would you just no. try one? No. No. Not even at gunpoint. Get that trash out of here, T-Bone. Wow. No chance. No chance I'm doing that. All right. Well, you mentioned trash. How about we talk about the Cubs? Uh, the <laughs> Cubs. The transition. The Cubs. Pitching has been great so far through 10 games, holding the opponent's batting average to 156. In or out, they have the best rotation in the NL Central. Uh, I'm out. I'm out anything, Cubs. That's all I got to say. Even if they do right now, I'm out on it just because 
Speaking of vomiting, that would just make me hurl to talk about that. So I'm out on it. Plus, I don't think it's real. I think yeah. it's fictitious right now. I think it's way too early to tell what they've ultimately got. And I don't think they have the best rotation in baseball. Yeah, That's just I, my opinion. I'm, I'm in on that as well. I'm out on them having the best rotation. You gave up 24 runs in three games against the Cincinnati Reds. So that's an offense that has actually a well-oiled machine, as we've seen. They played Milwaukee. They played Kansas City. Sorry, BK. They gave up 13 runs against those teams. Not a lot of teams are having success offensively right now. Wait until they play a team like the Chicago White Sox or wait until they play some of these other teams that have some offense that can produce you're not going to find as much success on that pitching. Out on this one. All right. In or out. BK, his special assignment is actually to study new dance moves from the dance group Thunder from Down Under. Huh. In or out. I'm in on that one. I was going to say, I'm me? in on that. Now, do you know who the Thunder from Down Under are? Yes, I do know who the Thunder from Down Under are. I'm just a kid. I have that no, just tells I have me no a lot about clue. you, Ferrari. Uh, well, it's hard to pass it up when you're walking around Vegas and you see <laughs> billboard after billboard after billboard. And maybe I purchased a ticket. Maybe I was given free seats. Who knows, Rivs? You don't know my life. I tell you what, I'm out on this. I am so out. Have you seen BK's dance moves in here? That would take enough. Actually, it would take yeah. more than two days of assignment for BK to get down. Maybe to be one of the Thunder from Down Under guys. On. All right, guys, in or out? If the Blues lose all three, well, yes, all three round robin games, it's time to hit the panic button. Don't you put that evil on us, T Bone? I said if. Yeah, I'm out. I don't think it. I, listen, as much as it can be an indicator, I don't think it's an automatic indicator of what could be after that. In fact, sometimes some would argue that these games, even mentally, and this is the problem at the start of it, is the teams that were in this position said, you know, the, the teams are playing in, that's a playoff mentality. These round robin stumps are like, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. I don't really know how I feel right now. So I'm out on that one, T-Bone. I don't even know how people have the panic button still after a cup championship and a rebound like they had. No. Throw that panic button away, folks. It's fine. I'm out of that one, and we're going to be out of here soon, but not before we jump into the crossover with one of the guys from the Fast Lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's newest door. Number 41 in Eureka is now open. a heck of a show today if you haven't tuned in until now we had the blues david perron on today we had uh, nate lucas from springfield cardinals broadcasting team talking to us about the satellite camp and some of the players that uh, have caught his eye and could make an appearance very soon and of course we had our own jr jeremy rutherford talking about blues and playoff potential and you can catch all of that later on tonight after the fast lane Get to the 101 ESPN website or the app. Get to the podcast on demand and catch up on all your stuff. Right now, we're diving into the crossover with our very own Chris Ranji from the Fast Lane. Ranji, how we doing, brother? I'm great, man. What's going on with you guys? I, I Can I tell you that you are a superstar defenseman? I don't feel like I've heard that all day. <laughs> and I just want to make sure that we know 
that everybody knows that you are a superstar defenseman. Speaking of superstars, uh, superstar Matt Martin, uh, the originator of all that whole thing, he scored a goal today for the New York oh, Islanders. did he? Must be a superstar if he, he scores a goal. Must be a superstar. Well, yep. how about that? So speaking of superstars, uh, we dove into this just a little bit, and Bill Belichick, uh, oh, you know, I know you love him. He's a superstar for me, but I have a conspiracy theory, okay. Ranj. Okay. okay. And I know I'm not alone on this island, but I'd like to think I am. Okay, okay? I want to hear it. Is that the New England Patriots are, well, they're purposely tanking this season. Oh, now, hear me out. Okay. okay, okay. Bill Belichick just doesn't have it in him to tap out. Like He's not the guy to tap out and say, we're going to tank the season. So what they've done conveniently here is they've had a number of their players uh-huh. opt out. They won't be paid, or will they? Robert Kraft owns a number of different businesses that could hire these guys as consultants, pay them on the side, which would not be a direct violation of what's going on. At the same time, the Patriots can suck, which Bill Belichick won't have. It won't be his fault because they're missing all their team, right? Okay. Cam Newton's going to blow up. It's not going to work well. And then they get to drop low enough to now they're in the mix to where they can make a deal and draft Trevor Lawrence. And that's their franchise QB. Am I insane? Uh, well, yes, but I don't know if it's because of that. I think it might, that might be an indication that you're nuts. I don't think that's it's all the proof that we need. We probably need to do a little bit more examination. No, it's the proof we need. You think? Yeah, you that's, think it. that's it. No, that's now, it. Okay, so I don't. And well, here's where I disagree. I've I feel like what you're saying is um, it's not unusual for the way people feel about Belichick. Like he's playing this different level. Like he's on a, a fourth level. He's of a chess. Jedi. Yeah. And everybody else is playing checkers, trying to figure out what he's doing. And you have, and I forgot who it was that said it maybe a week ago or, or two weeks ago, but it, a reporter had reached out to this person and he was an executive with another team. And that person's like, well, we're just trying to figure out, you know, what game of chess Belichick's playing. And I'm, and I'm paraphrasing. So that thought is prevalent around the league. It's not just us on the outside, us fools. It's people with teams <laughs> around the league that think he's up to something at all times because that's how it seems like he works. Like his brain is always somewhere where you're not even thinking it is. And you feel like he, he's in everybody else's head. Let's just put it that way. So I guess I wouldn't put it past him to have some kind of you know, next level conspiracy, but that seems like one really difficult to pull off. You're telling like nine players, hey, don't play. Don't play. We're going to pay you on the side. And we'll get you on the back end. That extra year you're going to need later on, I got you, buddy. Yeah, you can work at Bob's Barbershop in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah, okay. See, that's what I'm talking about. And then maybe is the greatest trick Belichick can pull the one that's not actually true? Where, like you said, people just think he's up to something, but he's not? Well, I think that he's... Uh, I don't think he realizes how other people are constantly trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on. I don't think he's aware of it. I think he's just living in his own world. And, you know, it's almost like the person who's driving blindly down the street and they're running red lights and cars are crashing behind them as they go past the intersection. Oh, so he's, he's gone like, senile. He's like, no, no, well, maybe. no, Possibly. No, but he's just, he doesn't know of all the carnage that's happening around him that he might be causing. I don't think he knows. I think he just he just operates on a different plane than everybody else. Just described an older person with dementia, and that might be Bill Belichick on the field. It might have no. actually just been my last Sunday afternoon. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was blacking out. But that was, oh, those are, that's those are right. Close and to the I same wasn't thing. driving. Jamie, there is a difference between blacking out and 
passing out in dementia. Well, the first two <laughs> are not. Things. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Well, you can pass out without the blackout. You could. Actually, uh, actually uh, I think what? you could black out without the pass out, too. Yes, now that's possible. So I yeah. hear. Prove it. A friend of mine yeah. has done that a few times, blacked out before they pass out. A friend of you don't, <laughs> friend of mine. You don't wanna you don't wanna have one before the other like Jamie, that. Jamie, I promise you that being a professional uh, athlete in this country well it doesn't matter what country you're in, if you're a professional athlete, uh I'm pretty sure that you've time traveled a time or two. This happened a couple of times for sure. Yeah, there's mainly no in doubt Russia. About it. So they tell me. Anyway. Mainly where? Mainly in Russia. Mainly in Russia. I wish I could have time traveled out of there. <laughs> Trust me, that was an experience for the ages. Now, <laughs> talking about uh, time travel and professional athletes, St. Louis Blues, they're hoping to catch up to speed where they were last year. They didn't look like the Blues that we know. And we talked to David Perron today and, and Jeremy Rutherford, and they're very aware of the fact that they're not at their A game yet. Ranj, you got any concern for the St. Louis Blues right now? Not right now. I think we'll see what happens on Thursday nights. And here's what I'm looking for. A natural progression from the exhibition game against the Blackhawks to the game on Sunday to what happens on Thursday to what happens on Sunday. If I feel like there's, and, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but if there's like a like a progression where it feels like they're getting better, better, yeah. Every single game. Like if you're looking at a graph chart and you're starting to see that stock rise. If if the trend looks right, then no, I'm not worried. But I think if they look look Thursday night like they looked on Sunday or similar to that, eh, yeah, I think that I'll be a little bit concerned. And then Sunday is going to feel almost like, uh, all right, guys, this is uh, (laughs) time to cram. (laughs) You know, get it figured out because the playoffs are really starting after Sunday. See, that's what I always said. Like, even if they go 0-3 in these round robins, which you hope that they don't, but it was one of those things, if they're progressing upward, then we're good, right? Like, you're you're feeling good about it. But if you have a Blackhawks game and then you go to the Avalanche and then you drop down a little bit, then I start to get a little concerned about yeah. it. Yeah. Jamie, let me ask you this question. And we got this text yesterday. And uh, thank God we have texters. Most of them are very good. Uh, some of them, I don't know how they can type. No, they're all but the very other, honest. But we most love of them our are texters, very good. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. One of them presented an idea that, it, that had not occurred to any of us in this room. And it was the style the Blues play, which is that very physical, wear somebody down over the course of six or seven games in a series, which is how they did it during the playoffs last year, how much is that really going to factor now that everybody's had five months off? That it's not like this several-month season that you've played and then you go straight into the playoffs and everybody's tired already and you don't have time to rest up for the series. You just have to you go, you jump right into it. You're in the playoffs and you're still grinding. It's a continuation of grinding from last October all the way till now. Uh, but now you don't have that. Everybody's been resting for four or five months. Yeah, I think that holds true in this little round robin thing. I don't know if it holds true once you get into the four out of seven. I think that the you know first round of the NHL playoffs every year, you see it right away in that first round where teams get grinded down and they're by game six or seven, some of the horses just have left the building. So I think for the Blues case in this whole thing, 
I don't think th- I, I think they're just so excited to get to the four out of seven series. I think that you know this is a stepping stone for them. Of course, they want to play well and, and show well and place hopefully pretty good in the standings. But at the end of it, you get to that four out of seven. The Blues are a tough team to deal with. You've got to beat them four times. Yeah, that's not going to be easy. Well, and, and it's not just the fatigue; it's the injury factor too. If you go into a four of seven and they may be well rested, but you you treat the Blues treat their opponent like they did the San Jose Sharks, where next thing. You know, you got guys dropping like flies. That's going to affect that series 110%, regardless if they've been off for four months or not. Okay, and it, and I think that's it's good to know that because I, I hadn't even thought of it the other way, that everybody's rested up and you're pretty much being thrown right into a playoff mm-hmm. series. So maybe the grind doesn't get to you as quickly as it might have done for Dallas last year or San Jose, who was already banged up going into it. And then, you know, then you got to play the Blues after 81 games and then uh, or 82 games and then, you know, the the series before it. Uh, But as long as the Blues, I think, continue with that style of play, you just kind of have to hope that eventually it does turn in their favor. I I feel good about them right now. Let's see how they play on Thursday. And you know what I feel good about, Ron? Me in the fast lane? I feel good about listening to you in the fast lane coming up. I enjoy you guys every day as I travel back to the arenas and yeah. go grind it out some more. Yeah. I get onto my 101 ESPN app, throw my earbuds in, and I listen to you donkeys talk sports. So I'm looking forward to it. Isn't that awesome? That app? It's amazing. You can listen to it wherever you are. Podcast, live shows. Oh, my God. Alex Ferrario, blues hockey. It's the best. Just like you guys are. <laughs> you, Coming up you, next on 101 ESPN, it's the Fast Lane. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.